Today, the Supreme Court overturned Roe and Casey. We expected this to happen. And I believe this is the biggest story of our generation. And I, I don't know if I can speak for Gen Xers or, or boomers or whatever. For me, this is massive. It's the biggest story. And um, there's there's threats of violence. DHS has issued warning to churches. People are already protesting. And I think on top of this is that the text from Clarence Thomas in his concurrence opens the door to overturning gay marriage and whatever else that might mean. There's a lot to talk about because we also have a bunch of gun control issues, too, because we just had that ruling and now the states are reacting as well. So we're going to get into this. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to support the very important work we do as a member. You get access to our exclusive segments from this show Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. And you'll be supporting our journalists who have been covering these stories all day, sitting there, making sure to get the news out with the best facts, the, the only only the best facts, the correct ones. And uh, you'll also be supporting our infrastructure. We use Rumble so that we can be more resilient to censorship. Without further ado, joining us to discuss all of this is Austin Peterson. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Um, you might know me from 2016. I ran for president uh, against Gary Johnson in the Libertarian primary, famous for saying that you shouldn't be able to sell heroin to five-year-olds. <laughs> and, you know, kind of being a guy who pushed the issue of, you know, baking the cake. You know, right. The whole question of, you know, should you be forced as a Christian to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple? And that issue has come around, you know, full circle in many other ways in American politics. Now, uh, these days, uh, I'm at a radio show and I also am a small business owner. I run the AP for Liberty shop dot com website and, um, you know, doing entrepreneurial stuff, trying to advance liberty and basically being at the forefront of Missouri politics these days. Uh, trying to advance gun bills there and advance pro-life legislation there and, you know, being a freedom fighter in general, I guess. Right on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we originally did not have Will Chamberlain booked, but this morning when the, when the decision came down, I'm reading, I'm reading some of these opinions. And I'm like, Will, can you come on? Because we're going to need a lawyer for this one. Yep. Always good to be back. Uh, Will Chamberlain, senior counsel at the Internet Accountability Project, which fights big tech abuses, and the Article 3 Project, which fought to get Trump's justices confirmed. Woohoo. Um and so we're pretty happy about that work um, today. So. Right on. Cool, cool, cool. So we'll, we'll, we'll need your legal perspective. We also got Ian. Everybody What's up, knows Ian. Dudes, iancrossland.net, coming at you, Seamus. You look kind of happy today. Why do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> is it because this is one of the greatest days in American history? <laughs> is that why I seem happy? Why aren't you? We're all laughing together. This is fantastic. We're one. all laughing together. One thing for you to do now is make a wish. Okay, so what did you wish for? If I tell you, it won't come true, buddy. I'm just no, kidding. No, I'm you- not superstitious. I've not been wishing. I have been praying along with many of you, and we still have work to do. But this is incredible. What this you, is what, incredible. So, what did you wish for? I I, I don't I don't like wish. All right, I he like pray. Wrote. But what also, I would for? like for <laughs> I am praying for abortion to be illegal nationwide. There you go. Uh, Mike Pence issued a similar statement. We'll we'll talk all about. He that. He had a cake too. Well, he did? No, no. <laughs> but uh, for those that are just listening, they're probably like, why is everyone laughing? What's going on? It's because Seamus has a cake Which he's cutting that into says right now. end of row <laughs> with the number 6-24, and uh, and he blew the candles out and made a wish. Look, I, I mean, no, he's cutting the cake. Political victories yeah. in general are rare. Victories of this magnitude 
are once in a lifetime or can be once in a lifetime. We're going to make sure it's not once in a lifetime, though, folks. We're well, going to so, fight for abortion to be illegal at the federal level. But today, yeah, I'm going to celebrate. Eat your mm-hmm. cake. We also yeah. got Lydia. I am here in the corner. It is a great day for me as well. You guys all know that I'm super freaking pro-life. And I tweeted today, guns, check, abortion, X. That is the America I'm going for. I'm feeling really good as well. I know we have more to do. Just let me celebrate it today. Looking forward to it. All right. Let's jump into the first story we got here from TimCast.com. Everybody knows by now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, as well as Casey. And uh, in concurrence, Clarence Thomas wrote, basically opening the door to overturning gay marriage. The text of SCOTUS Roe v. Wade decision opens door to upend gay marriage. Justice Thomas calls gay marriage precedents demonstrably erroneous, hmm. saying uh, in future cases, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence and Obergefell meaning those rulings are not guaranteed to escape future judicial scrutiny. I'm going to stop right there and ask Will, break this down for us, because some reports were saying, no, 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 this has no bearing whatsoever on gay marriage. But it certainly sounds like Clarence Thomas was like, man, we should we should overturn those those wrongs. So those those reports are correct. Ultimately, like the underlying decision here in Dobbs does not actually implicate necessarily other substantive due process precedents. So what is substantive due process? So think about what is the due process guarantee, right? It's you have the you don't you know the government can't take away your life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And so most people wouldn't understand that to mean, oh, due process, like procedural protections, like they can't take away my property without a hearing and notice telling me that they're going to do it and a chance to appeal, things like that. So that's um, that's what most people think of when they think of due process. However, the court, in order to protect certain rights that they felt were so essential that no process would be sufficient to justify um, your, the government depriving you of them, they came up with this kind of substantive due process doctrine that was used to essentially create new, effectively create new rights. Um, and that doctrine has been used to protect the right to use contraception, um, the right to marry the person of your choice, et cetera. Now, so then the question is, okay, well, Roe was also based on this substantive due process idea. Does overturning Roe mean all substantive due process is dead? The answer to that is no. Um, basically, if you read Dobbs, they didn't, Oh, they didn't say substantive due process was wrong in the majority opinion. They said, here's how you interpret substantive due process. And it's basically like, is there a really robust historical justification or tradition of having this right, even if it wasn't spelled in the, um, the Constitution? And they said that for abortion, that's not true. They're just historically abortion was routinely banned throughout the state. So there's not like a historical backing for it. But and but throughout the Dobbs opinion, they're basically saying this doesn't necessarily implicate any of the other substantive due process rights. Those have to go through the same analysis. We're not getting rid of substantive due process entirely. But it, it sounds like Clarence Thomas. Clarence does. Thomas would want to, but his views are pretty idiosyncratic on this point in, in among the justices. Like mm-hmm. I actually, as a legal matter, I, I kind of agree with Clarence Thomas in the sense that I think substantive due process as a doctrine is incoherent <gasps> nonsense. But a bad person. I know. But that that said, like, you know, I don't I don't think, you know, if, if you had a a court case to try and overturn Obergefell on the grounds that substantive due process is should incoherent and you would I think that that would lose eight one. Can right I now. ask about the what about interracial marriages? How was that decided? How was the interracial marriage question decided in that same sense? So I think I think interracial marriage and I, again, I, I'm 
I'm have to reach back because I, I haven't read Loving versus Virginia, which is the, the relevant case in a while. But I think that's an equal protection case, and that's a that's a distinct doctrine, right? So kind of you know, substantive due process is some rights are so important they cannot be deprived of you no matter what. Equal protection is people must be treated the same way, right? You you can't you know if if there is an existing right, you can't deprive it arbitrarily to one subset of people. Isn't that the argument in Obergefell? Um, so I think Obergefell is like this weird mishmash <laughs> of both substantive due process and, uh, equal protection because Anthony Kennedy is not, was not, may he rest in peace, or no, he's still alive. Anthony <laughs> Kennedy, <laughs> he just, he, re, he just retired. Anthony Kennedy was what a not. shout out. <laughs> sorry. He's still alive. Wrote a bunch of really terrible, like, decisions from a legal perspective. I mean, it's not even, like, outcome, I don't care. He was more conservative than not, but just reading his opinions was like reading a bad writer like somebody who just wasn't very smart. And so you, you read his opinions and they don't make sense. Well, and it, so Obergefell was written by Kennedy. And so it's not doctrinally uh, precise. Let's I, I think we're going to need a Supreme court ruling legalizing cloning hmm. uh, so that we can clone Clarence Thomas and then nominate yes. him <laughs> eight more times. <laughs> but hold on, we got to, we got to court. We got to clone Joe Biden a bunch of times too, to try to keep stopping him from getting out of the Supreme court. All <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, it's great. And just berate him. Mm-hmm. You know, from from a logic perspective, I'm reading Clarence Thomas, and I'm like, what he's saying makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you, you, I'm reading the the dissents. I'm just like on the gun issue, and here I'm like, they have no idea what they're talking about, do they? Well, I'm it's glad weird. you're I'm glad you're making an effort to read from more people of color. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we owe Ruth Bader Ginsburg a debt of gratitude? A little oh, yes. bit. Do oh, we, yes. Do we say and thank you, RBG? You know what's even more painful? We might owe. Mitch McConnell. To be completely honest, yeah, he did pretty good. Credit did, where it's due. He didn't just get the three, you know, the three Trump justices confirmed. He also stopped Merrick Garland. He did. Well, let, let's right. b- b- yep. before exactly. I sit here and laugh and agree with Seamus on this one. I'd actually, Seamus, I know you. You have a cake. You're celebrating yeah. this. Oh, Will, this is, you, are you? You're, uh, <laughs> are you happy to see Roe overturned? Yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, I think we've talked about this before. Like, I, I would consider myself like mo- like modestly pro-choice, right? I think that we've talked about this before. I think you and I agree basically yeah, on that, right? But so you're uh, both wrong, man. As as a you know, I, I also come at this from a lawyer. Roe was a, an, a literal abortion of a decision. It's an abortion of legal reasoning. I don't like that about what, what you guys. How you feel about this? So I'm more with Seamus on this one, and I consider myself a pro-life libertarian, mm-hmm. and I think that you know all humans deserve the same equal protections, equal rights, equal liberty, and that the unborn should be protected in the womb. And that's because libertarians believe in personal responsibility. Number mm-hmm. one, so elective abortions are heinous, like we were talking about before the show. Yeah, but bad. you know, but even in the question of rape, I mean, you have to ask yourself, you know, what percentage of people that are alive today are the result of rape? How many of those people are glad they're alive? How many of those people would say, I'm so thankful to be here and that I'm glad that they decided to adopt? My little sister, for example, and I hope she doesn't mind that I talk about this, but it's kind of an open family thing. She's adopted. My parents and her family, uh, they had to have a conversation to try and get her to the mother to not to kill her. Wow. wow. And then they said, please don't do that. And then once she was born, the mother didn't want her, gave her to the babysitter. And, um, you know, I remember being a young man, 10 years old, seeing my little sister for the first time, five months old, looking up in the most beautiful brown eyes and saying to myself, I'm so thankful that she's alive mm-hmm. and that she's here. 
and now I have a little sister. And I have a nephew, Mario. Shout out to Mario. I love you so much, by the way. Um, he's an awesome nephew, a great kid. And my family is more full and complete because without adoption, and you know, are we talking about adoption? We need to be talking about adoption more. Yep. We need to be making adoption yes. more easy. Legally, right. it's very difficult to do it. It's almost like buying a baby these days. You've got to be rich to go and buy a baby. Mm-hmm. But we should be talking about that. We should be protecting life. We should look at life as a consistent ethic. And I believe in a consistent pro-life ethic. Not because I'm religious, because I'm not. But because I do believe that all humans deserve the same individual natural rights and they should be protected from reasonable co- idea of conception until... Uh, natural death. So, uh, Ian, as uh, I don't think you're as politically active as anyone else here. I'm curious, what, are you happy to see Roe v. Wade overturned? Well, I got mixed feelings. Um, it's not making abortion illegal, and I think that's something people got to right. realize. It's just giving the states the ability to choose. I think that less abortion is a good thing. I don't know if making it illegal is going to make less abortion. It probably will in the long run. And I think late-term abortions are absolutely gruesome. Um, yeah, they're barbaric. Yeah. I mean, you're you're a full grown human at like four months or five months. That's like a small human being yeah. at five months. Yeah. You, you see it; it's like living and moving and all that stuff. But I, I don't know. I wasn't. Expe- I was expecting it once it leaked. I, I'm, right. I still got mixed feelings. I want to talk about the the legal implications of this because I want to know more. And uh, obviously, Lydia is celebrating along with Seamus. I am over the moon about this, and I think one of the things that I think people need to argue when they talk about how uh, the conservative Christians don't care about babies once they're born—that's an out and out lie. You know those pregnancy centers that they're firebombing right now? Those are the Christian church's response to abortion. Those help mothers in need. They help people who need the kind of help. They give free ultrasounds. They give free clothing. They give diapers. They give bottles. They give shoes. They teach parents how to parent. They have a response. It's a very real response. So don't take any of that argument from them. They're full of nonsense. My my position is, is you know, I said this before the show, rather dispassionate. Um, you know, I grew up, I, I think I, you know, Will and I agree on like a moderate kind of pro-choice, but it doesn't exist anymore in modern politics. It is mm-hmm. basically the left is pro-abortion. They're, they're, they're being asked about late-term abortion, and the response from prominent Democrats is, it's the woman's choice. And I'm kind of just like, my attitude is, if the woman has a health, has a health issue and the baby can't, like, she can't carry the baby anymore, but the baby is viable, meaning it can live outside the womb, why kill the baby? And there's no legitimate answer that I've received, because I don't think there is a legitimate answer. Mm. Well, I mean, so, it's, it's completely dismissive of the idea that the state might have an interest in the life of an unborn child, yeah. right? which is right. an absurd position. Yeah. Right? So well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this one more thing, too. Considering how insane everything's got in this country, I don't know if this is good or bad in terms of the, the rising conflict, but I'd imagine it's probably it's probably better that the states can enforce their own laws. I feel like it may result in more geographic hyperpolarization, which could be a bad thing, probably is a bad thing in terms of keeping this country together. But I'm also concerned about the idea that for too long, you've had people who live very different lives in very different worlds are legislating for people who live on, in, in, in different ways. And, and, and this mostly is a view based on guns because people in cities are like, guns should all be banned. And then it's like, bro, we had a bear on our porch a couple months ago. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, dude, you're not taking my guns away. And and uh, aside from that, like, I know it's not an issue of hunting or it's, it's an issue of my right to defend myself. Mm-hmm. The people who live in cities, sure, I get it. You're not worried about bears. Mm-hmm. I'm all, but you should be worried about murderers and criminals because crime is skyrocketing. So look, the people who live in cities should not be passing laws that directly change the way of life for people who live totally different lives. And then I see bills like this and I'm like, it's probably better off this way. Yeah. I'm not super positive, but. 
So there's a couple things I really want to say about this. You're mentioning civil unrest, the fact that this country is so polarized. I agree that there's a chance this is going to increase polarization. It almost certainly will. But I don't believe that unity can or ever should come at the expense of goodness, beauty, or truth. I believe that there are some things you can't compromise on. I'll also say this. What the Supreme Court decided today was not simply that states are allowed to extend protection to the lives of unborn children. They decided that the thugs and terrorists who are mobbing outside of the homes of Supreme Court justices, attempting to assassinate them and kidnap their families, and firebombing pro-life charities do not get to decide what law is in this country. That is a massive win for rule of law. And not as many people are talking about that. Well, explain that a little bit. Because every single other institution for the past several years has been caving into the mob on everything. There was no serious condemnation from any of our political institutions or the corporate world over the BLM riots or the 529 insurrection, as we like to call it here. That's right. There was absolutely no condemnation of it. No, no one was punished no, for they, it. They, they got away with it. And in fact, their goals were forwarded because of it. They and mocked finally, the president. And they mocked the president when he was forced into a bunker because rioters outside of the White House had breached through the barriers after assaulting 150 federal agents. And setting fire to a church. And setting a fire to a church. And the response from the media was how mean of it was Donald Trump to disperse through those rioters to go over to the church a, to have a photo shoot. How, how dare he? A and peaceful protest. A peaceful protest. Mostly. And so what we are seeing here is the and, and I Fire. think we really need to pay attention to this. It is the first time in the last several years that any of our major institutions has stood up for itself and said, "No, we're not going to let violent thugs tell us how to run our country." Let's jump to this next story from Timcast.com. Democrats call Supreme Court illegitimate, oh, urge resistance following abortion decision because they didn't obey. This is, uh, this is a story. Uh, from Adrian Norman from Timcast, Rep. Maxine Waters told protesters to hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. AOC was yelling illegitimate. And um, I should say urging resistance. Take you mean urging insurrection and violence. <laughs> now, as much as I will jokingly say urging insurrection, and it's, I'm making a point by saying it, I do appreciate that at Timcast.com we don't use that loaded language. But um, the point I'm making when I say insurrection is these Democrats are coming out right now and and saying no to the Supreme Court. And more importantly, and maybe you can comment on this more, uh, Will, mm -hmm. the DOJ Garland came out and rebuked both the gun decision and Roe v. Wade. Ooh, when so does bad. the DOJ do that? It, it doesn't. That's not its job, right? The DOJ has it, has is it there ever come out and announced it would defy or is I've resistant? I've never seen an in DOJ independently make announcements and pronounce on like how you know, that it, how much it disagreed with the Supreme Court decision. Like, that's, that's new to me. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't recall a tr the Trump DOJ under Barr ever doing anything like this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's cause that's the role. I mean, it's, it's supposed to, it, it, it's, there's two big reasons. One is that the DOJ is supposed to have this nominal appearance of independence, right? Like, they're the enforcers of the laws. Um, the people who make the decision about who to prosecute, who not to prosecute. So, like, they're, them at least trying to appear unbiased should be important, which is clearly they're just not. And then secondly, you know, they go in front of the Supreme Court regularly. I mean, the, the U.S. government is routinely a litigant in front of the Supreme Court defending its own laws, uh, you know, trying to also as amicus, like, making statements about other cases that might implicate a federal interest. So... There's an importance for the DOJ itself to have a somewhat like good, you know, working relationship 
with the courts. In fact, like the solicitor general is often called like the 10th justice because they're supposed, they're so often in front of the court. And the idea that DOJ would jeopardize that by just going, you know, the attorney general being like, you're all wrong and you're idiots. Like, okay, do, I mean, that's, that, that could, that, that actually breaking that relationship, I mean, maybe it's good because you want the government to lose in the Supreme Court a lot, but it, it's, it's very unique and bizarre. When, well, I thought, are what you, you just said there? Icing yeah, I'm putting more icing on the cake. <laughs> Look, this, I'm not going to stop celebrating, gets harder. but you right. made this point and you're saying that it's, uh, it could be great if the Supreme Court just starts siding against the government more often. In my mind, that's fantastic. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I'm going to make yeah. another cake. I, no, right. here's, I got a I'm question. I'm going to run out of cakes. I've got a question for everybody. Uh, slippery slope, right? So mm. when, when we were younger, they would say, well, people would say, well, if you allow gay marriage, then they're going to start trying to groom your kids. Yeah. And if you start to... Wait, they're doing that. Yeah, if you, <laughs> all of everything the Christian right said just turned out to be true, but continue. So, does, so my question is, is the slippery slope not a fallacy? Right. If you look at abortion, they said if you allow abortion, they're going to say, well, now it's no longer just safe, legal, you know, rare. It's now going to be all the way up to nine months and maybe even a couple of days after or like right after there. So my well, question, as, as do you Northam, think that Northam said, make the baby, the, the baby's delivered, made comfortable. And then the mother and the doctor have a conversation. Conversation is had. Right? I'll tell you, here's the thing. I'll say slippery slope. It's not a fallacy. And it never was. Nope. Right. I, like, I don't I don't think uh, I think. The idea that a slippery slope means you, it implies that you go off the rails, things go out of control, sort of. I view it as. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Degrees. Incrementalization. Yeah. It's not a fallacy. It's it's literally just once the door is opened on, say, two people can get married. It's none of your business. Then the question is, under that logic, however, you realize that, like, an adult father could marry his daughter, right? Do you Are you okay with that? Because I think that's kind of over the line. And then they can say, okay, but that one, no. It's like, hold on. If your argument is based on the idea that two consenting adults in, in the privacy of their own home and however they want to deal with their lives should not be infringed upon, then why would that not open the door to every other circumstance? So how do we put on the brakes, right? Well, so that's the thing, because initially, like, I think if two men want to get married, they should be free to do that, right? I don't think the state should inhibit it, that that behavior. That's my own personal view. But how do you put the brakes on once you've done something like that and you safeguard or protect that, that it doesn't go off? There's no brakes. Yeah, I, I don't your, think there are. Keep your kids off the internet. <laughs> that, my friend, is a 20. 100%. Pump Keep the your kids off the internet. Maybe not 24-7, yes. but pump the brakes and super, you know, supervise if they're going to be there. Yeah. Imagine, yeah. imagine letting your kid watch, like, Skinamax uh. or, like, it, it, it's it's unthinkable. Yeah, because but these days parents are like, I don't, I don't think the, the I don't yeah, think it's the, even worse than Cinemax ever was. I don't think the yeah, gay marriage well, thing directly resulted in the grooming of the kids. It seems like it's like a global. Weird well, thing. No, 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 not no, no, an American no, 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 ideal. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's simple. An internet. When the Christian right said, if we have gay marriage, the next thing they're going to do is start teaching kids about it in school, and they said that's ridiculous. If two people are privately living their lives, it's it's their business. But of course, the logical outcome is, well, 
kids need to be taught about yes. legal precedent and about adults and how they live, right? Okay, well, it, it should be in schools. Well, yeah, why exactly. we don't need government schools. Well, 100%. Yeah. But also on yeah. top of that, it's like, how could you ever possibly make the argument that society is going to adopt a new value and not pass that value onto its children? Right. That's what right. society does that, with that, its values. That's, that's like so it's, the it's, point. It's, and so to be like, oh no, yeah, we'll legalize society. gay marriage, but like we're not going to start telling kids about it. We're not going to start teaching kids about being gay, etc. That's just a ridiculous position. I don't know how anyone argued that with a straight so face. So I, I think one of the the next uh, possible changes is the end of gender se- gender segregation. Yeah. Because under the same arguments made, I was reading about the civil rights stuff um, and the arguments they made about the end of racial segregation. And the funny thing is, and I'll say this is, this is the argument the left makes. The same arguments made about gender segregation were made for racial segregation. People were, were arguing that black and white people were fundamentally like very different, that, you know, black people had this thing about them or white people had this thing, so it makes sense to separate. This is the argument, again, I'm saying presented by the left as to why they should end gender segregation. They said under the 1964 Civil Rights Act that says you can't uh, discriminate in public accommodation, they end segregation. But why do we still have gender-based segregation in that case? So well, that's, I think that, that's the point. That it's, not, it's not a slippery slope. It's yeah. literally moral logic follows. So what do you do with gay doing. kids, right? So when I was a child, you know, I have a gay brother. You know, we're kids. We're looking at the Sears magazine, and I'm flipping to the girls' section, and he's, like, flipping to the guys' section, and we didn't know what sex was, right? So who talks to them about that, right? Who, You know, without that being considered Your parents. grooming, right? Like parents. Your parents right? decide so, how to address it. And it's right, but I mean, like, matter. you know, if they don't have parents, right? If there's if there's no third party, right, that, that's, like, the moral legitimate you know, person who is supposed to be doing that, whose responsibility is it to explain why this child is feeling the, the feelings that they're feeling that may not be the same as the rest of the kids in their class? How, where do they have, where does some third party have a moral right to have a conversation with that child about what they're feeling well, if, if they, nobody else does? If they the have kids? no parents, they have a guardian, right? Right. Well, there you go. Okay. So just it's the guardian. The guardian. I, I, yeah, I'd say I mean, the Could they be the accused guardian. of, you know, grooming if they don't have the proper relationship? I don't. Right. Well, um, if, if you are not the, the, the guardian or parent of a child and then you're trying to introduce adult sexual concepts to them, yeah, I take issue with that because I don't trust it. <laughs> well, right. and also, like, it is absolutely the case that parents or guardians can and do groom children. Right. But right, right now, but, but I think we can say as a blanketed case, people who are not the parent or guardian should not under any circumstances be having these conversations with children. No, there, there's a circumstance in which the parents agree that they want mm. an educator or someone to talk to their kids about it. So, you know, my, my attitude with the Florida bill is some of these conversations are outright inappropriate for kids. Yeah. If the parents decide my child is old enough to start learning about these things, the parent decide what's best for their kids. If that means they have a third-party educator, I disagree with it, but that's their decision and how they're raising their kids. So they can take them to a drag queen story hour at the public library if they want to, or maybe a private library if they want to. Well, the issue, the the issue I take with, with drag queen story hour is that drag is a a sexualized performance and, and that's literal grooming. So let me ask you this in response. Do you think a parent should, should bring their kids to go, go dancer story hour? No. And And drag queen follows the exact same. Right. I don't think they should take them to drag queen story hour, but I mean, there is some kind of a line there where, where you're saying is, you know, if the, if the parent wants to teach the child about it, let's say the child is gay, you know, and they want to have a conversation with them about it, and they say that the boy wants to dress up like a woman, what is a safe environment that a parent can introduce them to those concepts that wouldn't become grooming? Their if home. drag is inherently sexual, right? Well, I mean, but so, I mean, like, it's a community, right? The, the gay community is a community, 
And there's got to be some kind of a safe way for parents to be able to, you know, if a child is asking them to educate them. I mean, what do you do? Lock them away in the tower and Rapunzel it down their hair when they're 18 and all of a sudden they can be introduced to that community? Or they're going to go online and they're going to be introduced to that community in a way that might be damaging to them, might be more harmful to them if they can't be introduced away. I don't know, and I'm not advocating for Drag Queen Story Hour, I'll but tell you, saying, I'll we tell don't you. know I'll tell you. what's a healthy way to do this. I don't know the answer. I I agree with your with 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 uh, uh, the the premise. You know, kids who are LGBT need a safe environment to to talk about and learn about these things. But I will also say that as someone, uh, you know, my family owned a cafe in North Halstead in, in Chicago, which is Boys Town. You, yeah, it's a gay community, and everything was overtly sexual. The the storefronts were sexualized. The products they sold were 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 sexualized. Macaroni and cheese on display in the window was 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 genitals. Uh, the mannequins were anatomically correct and performing acts on each other. So this is that's a good, not a safe place to bring a kid to you're teach right, them about how you're they right. feel. And my brother and I have been having these conversations just like in the last few weeks about he is sick and tired of of drag queens becoming the avatars for the gay community. Like, why is it that pride has to be this sexualized event? Why can't it be something that can include conservative gays? Why is it? That and it, and this, it is. And and you know, and uh, it's 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 notorious at pride events. People walk around naked, uh, women mm-hmm. topless, and all these things. I would not call that a safe environment for a child to learn about these things. Correct. So when you have drag, for instance, you have a lot of people on the left saying it's just it's just dress up, it's costume. It's like, okay, what is a drag performance? A person in a sexualized way uh, acts provocatively and and it's accentuating sexual features and accepts money either in the thong or in in their and they rip their clothes off. They had uh, Desmond is amazing, mm-hmm. a little boy ripping his clothes off on stage for tips. That is the same thing as stripping. And they acknowledge this, that drag shows incorporate the crowd giving money to the performer as they do these things. So you say drag, I say go-go dancing or stripping. I don't see it any different. Inappropriate for kids. There's a new Twitter account called Gays Against Grooming. That's and right. The, Ariel Scarcella, good, uh, good. Oh, uh, I didn't good know that was show. her. Okay, yeah. But well, I mean, she's involved. But for every reaction, there's going to be an equal counter reaction. There's going to be conservative gays who are going to come out and they're going to say this. And, you know, people like that should be able to have a... A seat at the table at the Texas GOP. I know that's been a big question lately. So if we don't encourage the conservative gays to speak out in their, that community and offer them some kind of a moral support, then they're going to continue to be drowned out by those people who will sexualize children. So how we do that is a, is, is a challenge because if you're a conservative, you know, many people in the movement are not going to be in favor of interacting with the gay community at all. This is, again, the state of Texas Republican Party is having this big fight right now over whether or not right. log cabin Republicans will be included, right? So we need to have allies in that community in order to have inroads with that community. If you really want to protect kids, that's going to have to be a front, a battlefront that we're going to have to participate in. I disagree on that one. So... I think that as soon as, and you were sort of talking about the slippery slope earlier, and societies are going to pass their values on, they're going to pass their values on to their children, and also when you start breaking down taboos, it's not as if the people who want to break down taboos are ever satisfied, they just keep pushing for the next thing. And I think that's sort of always been the agenda behind the sexual revolution, going back to Kinsey and John Money, who I've talked about extensively on the show, and what their goals were. And they quite literally said it. And this is Kinsey, who is the the called the godfather of the sexual revolution. He is the person who is credited as being the founder of the modern study of sex or sexology. 
And he openly said that he thinks the only uh, perversion that exists is chastity. In his book, he he was um, complicit in the sexual abuse of children and published data tables in his literature, which basically were obtained through the sexual abuse of children. I won't get into detail on exactly what it was, uh, just because it's graphic and disgusting. But the agenda of this sexual revolution has always been to break down all the cultural taboos. And that's not to say that every single person participating or every single person who is having sex outside of marriage or engaging in homosexual activity wants the movement to reach that final end, but that is its purpose, and we've given it a tremendous amount of momentum as a society. So I don't think the solution to that is for the conservative movement, which needs to stand up to it to say, we need to incorporate more behaviors which are just non-traditional sexual activities that we historically viewed as perversions into our own fold to help us make our policies. But conservatism is a blanket term, and it's or it's an umbrella term that will incorporate many different philosophies. National defense conservatism, mm-hmm. social. Cons- it's not just about social conservatism. So there's I also, agree. but there's also fiscal conservative, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to have to find some kind of a balance between these three forces. Homosexual conservatives are, are going to be a prominent force in advancing a conservative agenda in the LGBT community, and it's going to happen. If we don't connect to that, I think we lose a you know big advocacy group. I don't believe in tokenism, mm-hmm. but the most effect many of the most effective conservative leaders are our black conservative leaders, right? So we. We need to be making inroads to those communities. There would have been people probably back in the civil rights era who would have said, no, we don't want those people in our group. But I think that's Just very the, different. That's very different. I know and you I, think it's I, different, I but on, no, a, tactical, I know it's different, but on I, a tactical but or a strategic it's not level, tactical, but in, on I, a strategic I also level, like, it is. I, I don't appreciate the insinuation that I would be in league with people who'd want to exclude black folks from the conservative I'm not movement. saying okay, that you okay, are. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not okay. saying I just want to, So yeah. my point here. And I hear what you're saying. First of all, I agree with you that the conservative movement, it has become a massive umbrella, incorporates a lot of people. We were talking about this on the show the other day. You have progressives who make up at most, and I'm talking true progressives really pushing this stuff, make up at most 4% of the population within Western developed countries. Like they are a very tiny minority, ideologically speaking. Well, Gen Z is 28%. Fair enough. But I'm speaking overall population numbers. And then everyone else is conservative. Now, that obviously doesn't work, right? And so I think it makes sense to draw certain lines and say, well, you know, like in our municipality or in our township, to us, conservative means we promote conservative values with respect to human sexuality. You, okay. you got to be careful about moral extremism, especially, okay, economy gets bad, people get desperate, 1928, 1929, mm-hmm. Hitler comes to power, he's a moral extremist. He told you what was pure, what was good, what was right. So I think when it comes to gay people, being gay is fine. But being addicted to sex is not fine. Mm-hmm. I don't care what orientation you are. It doesn't matter what clothing you wear. That's not about being gay or being straight. You can wear whatever you want. It doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. It doesn't matter what body you think you exist in. It doesn't matter. If you're gay, you're gay. That's it. Just don't be addicted to sex. That's where it starts to get dirty. But Seamus, can I ask you then, sure. are you saying then that you sh- we should exclude in the conservative movement homosexual conservatives in order to not promote homosexuality? I, so I think we should not promote homosexuality. I would not say that like this person should not be able to speak on this particular issue. But I would say the conservative movement should not be saying like it is conservative to support gay marriage or homosexual Do you believe homosexuality like is a choice and not an intrinsic value? Uh, I believe acting on homosexual desires is a choice. But that the desire itself is some kind of an intrinsic like genetic part of that person's makeup? It may or may not be. Okay, but I mean, the po- you leave open the possibility that it is. It's yeah. not a choice. Well, no, I, I leave open the possibility well, that the attraction is not something that the person chooses. Uh, you said genetic. I would push yeah. back on that. Well, yeah, I'm just asking. That's, that's a there, complicated there, there, there question. Could, there, possible. Could, there could be uh, uh, socially developed or genetic. I, I think that the, the, the broader point is simply 
did a person one day decide to do it, or has it something that they've mm-hmm. they felt grow within them? What makes yeah, you and when I, I just want to mention this too. I think it's not so much that question. I mean, there are a lot of behaviors that I think there's a genetic predisposition for that I would consider good or bad without reference to that genetic predisposition. I'll, I'll mention too. Well, actually, I, I think that it could be good. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that there. The, Nobody's going to make this argument, but I would say that there's a chance that homosexuality is a good thing, and the reason why is the possibility that evolution has created this as a an ad- adaptation in order to adapt for overpopulation, and the possibility the reason why there are so many hom- homosexuals in large population centers is because it is possible that it that natural selection is creating a scenario where it's turning off homosexual relationships in order to account for overpopulation in turning a given on, area. That just seems like bad. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's, like, frogs do this, right? So, for example, if there are, you know, frogs, if there aren't enough female frogs in certain areas, then they will spontaneously change their sex so that they can actually produce. And this right. is a natural process of evolution. We don't know this, and I'm just postulating this. Right. I'm not, there's not a lot of hard science on this one, but I think we will probably find out that there is a biological reason for why homosexuality well, exists. And it might be a good thing for the survival of the, the modern. The modern left disagrees with you. Mm-hmm. They, they believe that it's a choice. Right. Yeah. So uh, it, it used to be that the, the, the left in this country thought it wasn't. And uh, at least it was it was claimed the right thought it was that people were choosing to make these decisions. I think Seamus puts it more clearly that the, the decision to act on it was is, is the choice. Yeah. It, now, now the weirdest thing is among your moderate or traditional liberal, they'll still argue it's not a choice. But among the the furthest left of gender ideology, it's outright a choice. I just I wondered what makes someone gay. Is it wanting to have sex with someone of the of the same sex and never doing it, or is it having sex with people of the same sex and not wanting to at all? Mm-hmm. So, just sort of to your point, I don't see evidence for that. I mean, and you acknowledge that, that there's no hard evidence on it. For me, the question is not what is the cause of this. It's the question of, do I view this as something worthy of promoting? Is this something conservatives should be promoting? Right. That's a, that's I, I, a separate but, but, issue. But there's, a, there's a simple answer here. I mean, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. I guess he's straight now. Is that his thing? So or? he calls himself reformed. Um, he <laughs> the, the, says the point he's become is, very Catholic. I, I, I think I understand what Seamus is saying. Someone who is conservative and LGBT or whatever, mm-hmm. you don't need to promote LGBT, but they can speak on conservative issues that you agree on or that are conservative. So there's a space for them, I'd imagine, right? Yeah. Well, is it that you? Well, it, in the same way that I mean, so I've spoken with people who I'll give you an example. Um, I know people who, I mean, I know so many people who do things that I would consider to be immoral, that I don't agree with. But I'm not saying that that person should have no say on other issues where we can work together. What I am saying is that on that particular issue, because we don't agree, we should not be agreeing. I think we're going to miss out on a big strategic opportunity here. I think it was just two weeks ago when the, the woke left started attacking the white homosexuals in their movement trying to push the white home, saying that many of the problems of the LGBT community were these white homosexuals who were rebelling against the push for, you know, the ugly new, you know, transgender flag that includes mm-hmm. all those things, right? And so what's going to happen is that with the left eating themselves, they're going to start pushing out many of their own people in that group. It's just too large a group to be able to hold all these people of many disparate views. So strategically what's happening right now, I see, is a window is opening up for us to take advantage of, to bring these kinds of people 
people into the group, not just targeting you know white homosexuals, but the people mm-hmm. that they're going to start eating and that they're going to go after and say, well, these people are, the, are problematic now because it's these white homosexuals that are uh, you know uh, against these kinds of racial policies that we've answered, CRT, for example, right? So as that happens, we should be taking advantage of that in order to build conservative libertarian coalition to win elections and crush the left. So you mentioned that this community is is too large to have all these disparate views, and that's how I feel about the conservative community. I think it's absolutely the case that the left is going to eat itself. They're going to force people out of their movement for whatever reason. They're always struggling through their various wars and revolutions to become more ideologically pure. And what I'm saying is conservatism has basically meant something uh, throughout the eras. It, it's basically meant we, we want to conserve tradition, and ultimately we want to conserve the family. But what does so it mean I think to be a conservative in the United worlds, Kingdom? If you, I, I, if you're no, conservative I, I, so, in the United Kingdom, then you want to conserve things that the United States... I don't think there's a very strong conservative We're not talking about the United Kingdom. But conservatism yeah, is not, but conservatism is not baked like that cake. Right? Conservative, and it, but if it is, it's many different types of cakes, right? That cake is immutable. That cake, The properties of that cake will remain the same, such as the ours, which, 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 mm-hmm. which is what you're arguing for. No, what I'm arguing for is that if we want our movement to be successful in stopping the left, these kinds of compromises don't help. And I don't think the conservative movement should be promoting a homosexual lifestyle. That's what I'm Saying. Well, when you say lifestyle, is it just the love between two men or is it the sex? It's so good it's a good question. We've talked about this before, but our society uses the word love in many different ways, whereas the ancients had different words to describe it. I do not believe that homosexual behavior with respect to what is done behind closed doors. We'll use euphemisms here because we're on YouTube in front of a live audience. I don't believe that those are loving acts. So, I don't I'm not saying that I don't think that a gay person can love someone else or care about them. I'm saying that I believe those acts are intrinsically immoral. You see like erotic love. You're talking about one of the eight types of Greek loves er- eroticism. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't, but I don't, love, because the thing is, I don't think erotic love is necessarily wrong. It gets into a quite, it gets into a very different question of what's different about men and women. Why is the sexual embrace between men and women within the confines of marriage a good thing? What is different about that or an imitation of that when it occurs between two men? And so it's, it's a much larger discussion. But my main point is that I, it's not something I believe the conservative movement If Jesus should Christ can wash the feet of sex workers, then I think you could get along with conservative. Homosexuals. And, but he called them to repentance. I just, and he I, called I, them to repentance. Say, and but, that's he, very but he, but he, but he, but he washed their feet. I gotta, I gotta yes. be completely honest. And we can this, call people to repentance. This, this but sounds I know like, for one, uh, going completely in circles. Yeah. 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 I'm like not it, actually though. making it's any arguments. It's a spiral. We're moving forward as we're circling. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I think, I think, I think the answer is, the question's already been answered. Momentous. A gay conservative can come in and talk about all the conservative values in the world. If Seamus has believed being gay is one of them, then they wouldn't be talking about them. But there's some, there's some value between men and women. That's for a man and a woman to have a conversation and to find a connection in love of some way, not necessarily erotic, that's valuable. Even for someone that's gay, like some people maybe aren't comfortable with people of the opposite sex, so they they do what they're comfortable with. And it's it, in that way, it's good for people to learn how to communicate with someone of the opposite sex. This is, this is an interesting uh, – I think this is a good conversation still because if the door is being opened based on the statements made by Thomas, and I, I, I think it, it's, it's something to, to talk about. But I will say I ultimately don't know if it matters because I'll ask you, Will. Mm-hmm. Is there a potential court case that could arise that would actually challenge Obergefell? I mean, it, it, well, you can always have some sort of court case, right? Like, but like maybe what, what, a state a state could pass a law that would ban gay marriage, right? And then right. somebody could challenge that law, and then it could work its way up through the courts, sort of. Because that's kind of what happened with abortion, right? Abortion was there was a federal rule saying you can't ban abortion pre viability, so a state just did it and then used that to challenge it. Um, that said, I mean, the, will it win? No, I mean, it's as I said, I think that you that would lose eight one. Um, as a pragmatic thing. And Who's so, the one? 
Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> right? Face Thomas. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, pra- given that I'm a pragmatist, right? Like, you know, whatever the actual, like, contours of it, what it looks like for the conservative movement to promote or not promote or accept or not accept, it's like, well, we're not, you know, the gay marriage issue is base- effectively tabled because, you know, we're not, in, at least in the short term. So, like maybe let's win political power right now. I don't know. Right? Like, well, a, but I mean, isn't that really what we're saying here is that in, you know, in embracing homosexual conservatives that we are adding to our ranks and growing ourselves in political power. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I basically think that, I mean, and I'm, I probably, I mean, I disagree with Seamus on a lot, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I feel yeah. like you were like, this is intrinsically immoral. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I, I wanted to ask you like, okay, that probably comes from your Catholic beliefs. I would assume. I would say it's a natural opposition. I don't think someone has to be Catholic to hold it. I, 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 I guess I could see that. I just think like, you know, from, I, I, you know, when I look at something like that, I'm like, well, I don't think it's intrinsic. Yeah, you know, moral. but the thing is, <laughs> my point is, <laughs> right. but we hold, don't hold, have hold, to hold. agree yeah. on everything. Let, let me, we, I don't have to agree with everything on someone we're, we're working we're, with. If someone has homosexual tendencies or inclinations, I'm not saying they can't do any good for I, society. I, I, I'm saying I, we're we talking should in not circles. Promote it. Yeah, yeah. Sure. right. So, hold on, I'm just saying again, guys, we get it. If you're concerned, like, there's, I, also, I do not understand your argument. We got to separate religious marriage. If the statement is. There are gay conservatives. They exist. What are conservative values? One, two, and three, A, B, and C. Conservatives who are gay and conservatives who are straight agree on A, B, and C. Then there's literally no discussion. Fiscal conservatism. National defense conservatism. And so if you're a fiscal conservative and you meet another fiscal conservative who happens to be gay, that wouldn't be a part of your conversation. But a homosexual conservative who is in favor of gay marriage is in favor of a socially conservative value. Wanting to have gay marriage is a conservative value that is a homosexual How embracing is that conservative that a homosexual because a marriage between two people is a conservative value a marriage itself is a conservative institution if two men want to get married that is showing that uh, these homosexuals are embracing socially conservative values in my view i i, I just don't you, i don't i don't see you got to separate yeah. religious marriage and legal marriage right. let me let me let me ask will a question you mentioned um you don't see it as intrinsically immoral right yeah no what about uh, two brothers who are legally adults? Is that immoral, or a brother and a sister? Yeah, no, I actually that I would th- be. Yeah, I think so too. So, so why? Uh, uh, and, and again, you know, I'm not asking this because I disagree with him. I agree. I think right. it's immoral. I'm curious what your basis is for why you would say a gay relationship is fine, but an incestuous gay relationship or an incestuous relationship is not okay. I mean, I, like, I, I've read sort of the arguments, and so the, the answer is actually going to be fairly simple. Like, it, it really is my own intuitive moral response. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> simple <laughs> like, enough. I have honestly. an intuitive, like, d- you know, disgust reflex towards incest. Uh, I think that's pretty well, evolutionary. People, Most people yeah, do. Same People feel the same way for, for gay relationships. Right. And So and, so it's a, so th- this is the question I was bringing up when it came to what, um, what uh, uh, Clarence Thomas was bringing up with this due process question. Is that if you're going to argue that two legally consenting adults can engage in whatever behaviors they want to, how would that preclude a father and a daughter as long as they're adults or brothers or sisters or brother and sister? Personally, I think those are wrong. It's you know, incest. Like incest, is, incest is illegal out of places be, because I of, would not be okay with be, with that. Well, isn't it because you know, the, the possible third party that you would be introducing into the world would be one that of stunted growth, yes. right? You're literally committing a crime by creating like well, no, no, you know, no, something. No, that, yeah, that, then what no, if they that, use that, perfect that, protection? Right, right exactly. Like you get, you get uh, to uh, that. Gay couples party. don't have kids either. A brother and a sister could adopt if they love each other. So, so there's, there's, a, there's a, there's a, a question here. The way I view it when it comes to the slippery slope is, um, I've, I've long evolved on the idea that one thing goes out of control. It's simply degrees. 
If you make a moral argument and you win the moral argument, the moral argument stands for all facets of it. If you say two consenting adults are allowed to live in the privacy of their home and do whatever they want, it's like, okay, but you realize that extends morally, logically beyond just two adult men or two adult women. It extends to a father and a daughter, a mother and a son, brothers, sisters, and and, and everything in between. And they're actually making those arguments now. And so this is the issue I was bringing up with gender segregation. Racial segregation, I think, is wrong. Um, gender segregation, I don't much have a problem with, like, a men's room and a women's room. I get it. But there's a similar moral argument. If you cannot discriminate on the basis of these intrinsic characteristics in public accommodation, why would you be allowed to for one and not the other? And I'm like, how do you answer that question? Other than just saying, we have a personal moral line, and that's it. If that's the case, and you're saying that it's just within you, you have an intrinsic morality, then all that matters is if you open the door to gay marriage, quite literally, people who grew up with it will not have that reflex for the next degree, which would be incest or, th- or things mm-hmm. of that nature. Yeah, I mean, and so, not a slippery slope, just literally the next step in, in incrementalizing in, towards it. In ultimately, direction. I think what we're, what we're arguing over, and, and Austin, I mean, I appreciate everything you said about the pro-life movement. There are a number of things we really agree on. I think where we really disagree is first and foremost on the definition of marriage. I just don't believe that gay marriage is a logical possibility given how I define the term marriage. I think what we really don't agree on is where the slippery slope starts, right? Where can we say this is the behavior we're going to allow, but like once we go past that, it's clear that we're going to start slipping down that hill. Right. Well, we're having a what really that, matters is the law, right? Isn't mm-hmm. it at first? Because what well, are we trying to do? Are we trying to stop people? Oh, should we use the government to actually stop people from engaging in a what a private contract? If someone has a private contract so, and calls it a marriage, right? Are you are you saying that that's not? So I don't believe that. No, yeah, I don't believe that the federal government has any power to redefine marriage. Right. I believe marriage I'm is not between a man and woman. Government. I'm talking about a government. contract. Yeah. I'm talking about a private uh-huh. contract between two individuals that they des- desire to call two people marriage. can make Are a contract ta- and say that they're going to the do whatever they want. Them. But I don't believe that that is a marriage. I'm asking if two you: people, Do you believe if, if two if people write a contract? Gov- saying do you believe that the government should stop halt a contract between two consenting adults that they call marriage? It depends on what they're trying to do. So. I would not, I don't think the government should recognize it as marriage. If two people come together and say, you know, we're going to live together or we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Why should government recognize marriage at all? That's what I was going to say. I don't think the well, government should recognize marriage Well, and yeah, I don't think the federal, yes, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, but if for as long as the really? government I don't is want the government, I don't want the government to recognize your Catholic marriage either. Government should yeah, but, but here's the thing, yeah. And <laughs> well, I was over here like, like you guys are all wrong. Yeah, all way, Austin, <laughs> I would agree well, I'm with not, you I'm that saying, I want the federal oh, government not, out of marriage generally I'm not speaking, saying, but I don't think, I think it's worse for it to redefine it once it's been involved. I am not agreeing with that idea. I'm presenting, like, making that point, then why, why would they? Um, I think the issue is marriage is deeply rooted in, at least in the United States, in Abrahamic tradition. Marriages exist in other countries as well. And marriage, because of the secularization of the United States, has become a state institution, which opens up the question of what you're saying, contracts between consenting adults. Seamus takes a, re- a, a traditional religious perspective, which is that marriage is rooted in the Abrahamic tradition. Well, that's not exactly so, my position. But wait, my because view- I, I actually don't. So I believe marriage pre—I mean, marriage pre-exists Abraham, right? right, right Abraham right, right, was right. married, uh, and so, yeah, so I believe that. I, I don't believe, and this is the irony, actually. Like as Catholics, we part of why we don't believe in gay marriage is because we don't think the church can redefine what marriage is. We believe marriage is what it has been through history, and it can't like change it from being man and woman to, to something. No, but else. you're all wrong because it's not based on the Abrahamic religions mm-hmm. entirely because we just got my beautiful wife is in the corner here mm-hmm. Stephanie we just got back from touring Bridal Creek Cave which is the, the Lake right. of the Ozarks in Missouri but this is why I just said at least in America and I also I said it's not, I think, I think, I think, I think it predates Abraham. Abraham 
Right. And I yeah, said, yeah, oh, yeah, marriage predates does. Abraham. Yeah, I don't believe that Christianity or Judaism invented marriage at all. That's not my Right, position. but the Native Americans would go to Bridal Cave and they would get mm-hmm. married and they'd had no contact with Abrahamic traditions. Yeah. So, I mean, marriage is an institution. It's human. Not one of the government, yeah. right? But one of two people. It's a contract in a sense, a private yeah. contract. It doesn't need, it's not a contract that necessarily needs to be written down. So a marriage is a relationship, right? It's not necessarily, you know, because your God has deigned to bring you two together. It's a relationship between two people that can involve only them or it can involve them and their God or a third party if you so desire. But that is an intrinsically personal thing that's defined by them, not by government. No, it's not just personal. It yeah. involves broader society too. Like There's the, a reason like when you have a marriage, there are other people there observing. Yeah, the truth. Yeah, and, and hold on, hold on. Didn't they used to consummate the marriage in front of the party? Actually, the third person Some that was there was the tribal chief. So there were only typically three people. But there, there's a society. So. I mean, there's a the reason. Like I say, like when I'm like, the state should obviously to me be involved in marriages and certifying them is because. Listen up! I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Um, you know, there's part of the benefit of having the state involved is it's very hard to make binding commitments in our world. Hold on. The state involvement has actually, in my opinion, made it so that there is no binding involved. Right? The idea... If they've made it too, you know, they made it too easy to divorce, sure. They made it too easy to divorce and the enforcement of taking resources from one party to another, it's just created disaster in terms of... Maybe like that, that sort of you know, kind of easy, like economic punishment makes it too simple. And maybe you need, you know, you obviously, obviously need the broader societal pressure and societal stigma against divorce and things like that. And then working in conjunction. Cultural with and, and enforced and was it enforced monogamy? Yeah. I would imagine yeah. in the tribes, I got people mad at Jordan Peters when he said that in the native American like, tribes, if you were to start doing your buddy's wife after you got married, the tribe would throw you out of the tribe. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like banishment. It's important to know who's, who we is do that having now children on Facebook. with whom. Yeah. 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 Cancel. It's like, <laughs> also I want to clear something up when I said enforced monogamy, I was saying that every incel should be given a woman who's forced to be with him. That's what I was arguing. And it's like these people try to take me out of context and say I was setting up a societal precedent for people to see it. It's like, no, I was saying we should redistribute women to incels, man. It's like, I was very women, man. It's like, why is it that only the top 1% of the chads get 99% of women? It's like, it's not fair. This is the only developed nation. Now it's pretty sad. It's the only developed nation. You wrote that, didn't you? That? Or, oh, that's no, the next I, I've cartoon. I've never written that, but that's maybe that should be a cartoon. cartoon. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm still stuck yeah. on the differential between religious marriage and mm-hmm. legal marriage. And they use the same word marriage, but they're different, completely different definitions. So we gotta stop conflating those. That, I feel oh, like you're no. bent on man and woman, man and man can't get married because of the religious it's the, aspect. Well, it's just the definite, I mean, not the religious the, aspect, because I believe marriage predates religion. It's just, it's what I believe the, the term means. Well, marriage but means, I will, I will, means I will say a separate question. The weird thing to me about uh, we also have the Supreme Court ruling on the, on Maine and the private schools is that to the to the liberal in this country, the separation of church and state means the state refusing to provide for or or to actively discriminate against religion, whereas on the right, the separation of church and state is the state cannot discriminate on the basis of your religion, which is which is particularly interesting. So I, I'm thinking back to um, the famous Prop Eight musical with Jack Black. And he said his argument for why there should be gay marriage is the nation was built on a separation of church and state. And then I'm like, 
Wouldn't that actually be an argument for civil unions, a government contract, and not any kind of like ceremonial procedure? Isn't that what you want, Will? What? I mean, in the sense that... Right. Like, I mean, I think I, 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 I'm sort of indifferent to whatever the state calls the like sort of, you know, certification. I mean, it's, you know, my dad always joked that, you know, my dad's a California conservative, but he joked, he's like, yeah, sure. I, I absolutely want the gays to have marriage and alimony and divorce payments and child support payments and everything that goes along with it. Um, the, I think, I mean, I guess, I don't know if I, I, I'm fine with gay marriage, you know, in terms of the state certifying legal marriages, I think it's like, Oh, a, there's liberal over here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got me right. Like my most conservative thing was I thought, you know, Hey, conservatives should win. That's like, that was my big conservative belief. Now I can all argue. That's crazy. You know, <laughs> right. Remember when people were saying, no, we should just like David French. No, we should not win because reasons. <laughs> well, look what they're doing now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hate to do a hard derail, but I don't want to just stand subject for too long. So mm-hmm. let's, let's jump to gun control because, um, sure. The House has passed a gun control package, sending it to Joe Biden's desk after McConnell and other Republicans defy Trump and vote Oy. for the bill. No, um, let me let me tell you, they did not defy Trump. They defied the will of their voter base. Right. Yes. And I will not forget Shelley Moore Capito in West Virginia, what you did because you are a scumbag. Mm. I am rightly pissed off about this. Second most Trump supporting state in the country. And she's not up for re-election for four years, so she thinks she can get away with this, that she can she can spit on her constituents as if West Virginians want gun control. Well, thank God for Missouri, because in Missouri, we have the Second Amendment Preservation Act. And this is a law that was uh, passed two years ago, signed by the governor, Mike Parson, that effectively punishes Missouri police officers and their institution, whichever one that they are a part of with a $50,000 fine if Missouri police officers are to act in coordination with federal officers enforcing federal laws, if they are not against the law in Missouri. So if you're breaking Missouri law, then the police officers can participate. But in Missouri, if if Joe Biden passes a gun control package and it's not in Missouri's law, then Missouri police officers are not allowed to participate. The feds still can, but not Missouri police. We also have from governor.nh.gov, HB 1178 signed into law, an act prohibiting the state from enforcing any federal statute, regulation, or presidential executive order that restricts or regulates the right of the people to keep and bear arms. So So the state cannot. The feds can come in, but not the state. So it is Missouri, you said? I, think, I don't so know how relevant that is. Sorry. It's yeah, it's like, I think my understanding of the federal law is that it provides funding and support to states in implementing their own red flag laws. Am I, am I mistaken? Well, this yes. is, this is not about, it's not about red flag right. laws. This right. is about, this is about the NFA. This is about any restriction on any gun fair, that's not codified in New Hampshire. It's, uh, it's not nullification, but it's something similar in a sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like we want, I mean, well, there's, there's things like that happen in context outside of gun where the state's like, we're not going to help the feds. It's common sort of like sanctuary, sort of like sanctuary state. I mean, the stuff. feds can't force the state to spend their money and resources enforcing federal law. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, so that's, that's what it would be. Um, so you're not stopping the feds from coming in, obviously, but if they do come in, your police officers are totally unable to help less, unless they want to. If they want to perform a federal raid for bump stocks, mm-hmm. then Missouri police officers are not allowed to participate. And the police don't like it. And it actually has put conservatives in Missouri in a really difficult position because mm-hmm. typically they would de facto support police. Yeah. And so now police are, you know, in a situation where they have to try and convince conservative lawmakers to try and repeal or gut a law that the lawmakers just passed overwhelmingly that was popular. And it's now a big campaign issue in Missouri. I don't know that New Hampshire's has any kind of an enforcement clause, 
But uh, there's a current Senate candidate named Eric Greitens who's running in Missouri. He mm-hmm. was governor there for a, a short time. He's now running again to be in the U.S. Senate. And he actually came on my program uh, in Missouri and said that he supported the police, that this amounts to a defunding of the police. He was actually using leftist rhetoric, yeah. mom's demand rhetoric, yeah. going against the Second Amendment Preservation Act because of the $50,000 fine that goes to those police departments. Well, I guess it does amount to a de facto defunding of police. But because Missouri conservatives are more inclined to support gun gun rights than they are to support the police it puts, it puts republicans in a really difficult spot i think it's actually a beautiful thing to do i hope more states copy us no i hear you and i just want to mention if anyone had any illusions that the police will not enforce gun control laws ah. or come take your guns because they're conservatives this clearly demonstrates that they will uh, is it the kind of thing where if two cops in a cop car come and do it that it's a hundred grand like fifty thousand twice them and the partner per incident Right. So if you have if there's a gun raid and the FBI is asking for local law enforcement to help participate, which happens all the time, because usually it's really it's actually about money, because what they want to do is civil asset forfeiture, because we have this thing called equitable sharing. And the process is that they come in, they do a raid. The states, the state takes some of the money, the feds take some of the money, they split the proceeds and then they walk out happy. But the state police officers are mad because if they aren't breaking a Missouri state law, they can't participate with the feds and they can't share in the spoils of war. Right. So that's really the issue is the the question of how much money that these police departments are losing. And and that's why I think it's a critical issue, because it places conservative values uh, against the law. And when conservatives are asked whether or not they're going to support the police or they're going to support gun rights, the rights are what's more important than the cultural, we support police, you know, rah, rah, rah kind of a thing, right? So I think it's a rubber hits the road issue for anybody running for political office. Ask them about Missouri SAPA law. Ask them about what New Hampshire is doing here. And I wonder, you know, from a constitutional question, mm-hmm. what do you think, Will, of the question of the real deal, the real nullification which we had a crisis of, which we had a civil war over. Oh, no, Nullification is nonsense. Sorry. No, uh, no, well, go ahead. Yeah, no, tell I, me about I'm it. A, I'm a, that was we, that was settled in the 1860s. Well, can right? you define like, what it is? Oh, nullification is the right of a state to defy or uh, over somehow overturn federal law in its jurisdiction, right? And so the feds would not be able in nullification. Right. We w- the police officers would actually prevent the feds from enforcing their rights. Right. Aren't they mm. doing that in some places though? No, I mean, they're, they're, the only thing that they've done is like they've, you know, states can say, basically do what they didn't hear, which is like, we will not par- help you, right? Like, not, not that we're saying that your law doesn't apply here, but rather, we will not help you enforce your law. Like, that's your problem. If you want to come in and enforce it, you have the right to do that, go for it, but we're not going to help you enforce federal law. That's okay, because state and federal government are different sovereigns, right? Mm-hmm. But that, and that's not a disrespect of federal sovereignty, because it's still saying the federal government has the right to enforce its law in anywhere in the United States. Um, I, I mean, a, a world where you accept nullification is a world where, uh, you know, New York says that's fascinating that you have this new rule that says we can't stop people from, you know, we can't have our concealed weapons thing. You know, I, that's funny that you have that second amendment, mm-hmm. but we're going to do what we want in New York. And if that means depriving everyone of their right to guns, you have no say in it. We're going to nullify that, that Supreme Court ruling. Like, I, nah, I, right? That, I, I think. <laughs> that's, hold that, on, hold on. That's I, what they're trying to do. I hear you. I yeah. hear you. And I think you're making good arguments. And I'm not ex- totally on one side or the other here. But I, I would say this. I might be willing to accept that if that meant in my state, the federal government gets zero say and can't enforce anything if, if our legislatures decide that I should be able to have whatever gun I, mean, I want. 
ultimately what but you know ultimately the the end state of nullification is is going back to effectively the world of the United States and the Articles of Confederation. Right. Right. It is the end yes. of and I'm like, <laughs> no, actually, historically that was terrible. And I don't want civil war in the United States. No. But that's how we get there, right? Like we want to go back to a world where we had a very weak federal government and and I mean ultimately that there was a know, very, very well hard I gotta be honest, we got a pretty strong federal government. I don't know about civil wars out of the question. Yeah. So. No, I mean yeah. I, I, actually, you know, this is probably where I disagree with you all. I think we really? actually do have a very strong federal government, and I think that as a result of that, civil wars are totally out, out of the, the question. Most. But if yeah. the federal government were to pass a law that were to ban guns federally, right, then the state says, No, actually, we're going to nullify that because we actually interpret the constitution as it is clearly written. I mean, you'd be you'd be in favor of the feds being able to enforce a law that would ban guns federally if the state wanted to nullify I mean, it. You would be no, the state can't do that. The civil war. Uh, I mean, as like, I mean, obviously, I think you know the, the hypothetical has a problem because the state could go to court and say this is fe- this is unconstitutional under the Second Amendment, and you know we we know how that would end up now, right? Because the Supreme Court would say so. But just as a matter of principle, right? Like, I don't think. You know, if you, on any random litigated issue, if the state disagrees with the federal government, but the, you know, and they litigate, you know, the federal wants, government wants to impose its law on the state, the state litigates and all the courts say, no, the federal government can do this. It's clearly within federal authority. I don't think the state then just gets to defy that. Under that scenario, would you be in favor of a convention of states? I mean, I'd be in favor of changing An federal Article law. At that, federal, I would be in favor of changing federal law at that point. Are there no circumstances where you think Article 5 of the Constitution would ever I don't, I don't want a revolution, man. Revolutions are generally bad. Damn, I would they, love they, it. I want they, a revolution. No, they, I never, want a revolution. they never turn out the way people <laughs> no. think they will. Like we, yeah. we, Every we had, single we time. Had a, we are like the only revolution that has ever stuck the landing, ever. Like, I mean, that, think about how bad but, but hold, But hold on. Well, is, is 20 years of conflict and, and death and fighting sticking the landing? And, I mean, and that's I, as good as it gets, right? And, and right. And I think it turned out really we, – we're extremely lucky. At the founding fathers, because you look at Canada right now, and it's like. But they warned yeah, us over and over also, about central banks, and I mean, they they were like they're more powerful than standing armies. I think they even said at one point, and then the Federal Reserve got formed. We well, have a bank. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're a Jeffersonian, and I'm a Hamiltonian, <laughs> right? Like this is I'm this the is Ian, the like they yeah, already posed a revolution on us in 1913. Now we got to take it back. Yeah, yeah, they, now, yeah. now we have the most all, powerful economy. But not all revolutions are fought with blood and tears and and sure. And the the Federal Reserve was a revolution. Right, the progressive era was a revolution. It wasn't fought with bullets; it was fought at the ballot box. Mm. And so, yeah, I want a revolution. I don't want fighting in the streets here in the United States, but I want an overturning of many of the legal precedents that have been set. Then you know, win some elections and 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 win some litigation. Four more, yeah, I'm four working. More I'm working states. on that. Revol- <laughs> revolution. Four more states for a convention. Revolution right. means I to turn forward, and it actually four. it's it's constantly we're in a revolution. 30. We are revolving, and if you participate in the revolution, is up to you. But it's revolving whether you're doing. It or not 30 states are controlled by republicans the legislatures and four you need 34 for a convention of states well, I, I believe i, I mean believe. if we had like we what we have now on the supreme court in terms of majority with these states where we had more majority of conservative states that were pushing for this then would you push for an article five or think that oh, you mean if we didn't have a majority no, conservative if, we, if we did it, i mean, well, if, I mean since we have a majority supreme conservative supreme court i'm like let's why we don't need to do anything crazy let's just keep litigating yes and winning uh, like, I mean, think about how much, yeah. how much it must, how depressing must you be if you're a progressive right now? Oh. Like, you control the presidency in both houses of Congress, and you're taking L after L yeah. after L right do now. You, and you're about you, to, like, lose, and you're at about least to lose one of those. Yeah. yeah. Do you want that 
in your back pocket, though. Do you want an Article 5 convention to stay in the Constitution and to be something I, I that's there? You don't even want the, that I, power? I, I don't want, like, I really do not. You know, people talk about national divorce. I am, like, a very anti-national divorce guy. I'm right? actually with you on that. I think I think people are wildly underestimating how violent and bloody that would be, how impossible that would be relative to, I mean, I think one thing we... You say most impossible? Base effectively. Unpossible, I mean, yeah. me failed English. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like Simpsons like, reference. It's not. It's not 1860. The you know in the run up to the Civil War, right after Civil War was declared, state armies literally just walked into federal armories and took all the guns. The, the federal government was so weak. We don't. We can't even comprehend how weak the federal government was in the run up to the Civil War, which is why the states were able to secede in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just. It's just not something that would happen, and it would be bad if it did. How strong well, is too strong a federal government for you? Um, a federal, I mean, a federal government that can't be constrained by law at all is, is too strong. Then you have, you know, that, that there's no legal recourse, that there's no. You don't think that we're there? Not even close. What do you think about oh, the man. Patriot so the, Act? The federal government is, is not too strong in your mind. Uh, I mean, there are places where I think the federal government should be weaker and places where I think the federal government should be stronger. Are you, get com- out. Are you comfortable Please. with the, <laughs> <laughs> stronger well, libertarian, right? Like out. big tech I, regulation? Yeah, Hello? No, I'm giving are you a hard time. I'm are you comfortable with the Patriot Act? With the Patriot Act, I'm comfortable with some things in the Patriot Act. Like, I think it probably gives the NSA and, like, there's probably too much power and too much espionage power in general. But, 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 sorry. I, I want to know. Will's talking about the total the pack. Point. reserve. Oh, yeah, That's sure. True. I'm yeah, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. That's oh, get out. Yeah. I will also say this on the question of revolutions, right? People need to realize this. This is true of basically every revolution that I'm familiar with, right? Yeah. Not a giant history buff. You're right. The American Revolution in many ways stuck the landing. But even with the American Revolution, it's not as if every single person who was revolting was fighting because they wanted the kind of system that the founding fathers ended up setting up. And we see this in every – like you look at the Bolshevik Revolution. It's not as if – or even the French Revolution – it's not as if all of those people rose up to fight because they wanted to see the ideology that ended up taking the place of their current system come to fruition. They were angry. They wanted to fight. But it's just a very tiny organized minority that ends up get, getting to decide what government you have after the revolution has won if, or has been won. If, if, there, is, been if won. there is anything right now that is making the federal government weaker, it's what the DOJ is doing with Trump supporters Oh yeah. It's, yes. That that outright with with the solitary confinement, with the rating on Jeffrey Clark, with the subpoenas to to GOP, it is basically sending a signal to half this country that the government is against you, and that that means if you're if you're someone who supported Trump, you believe Trump, or you have you are a simple skeptic who has questions based on uh, the Texas v. Pennsylvania lawsuit or things like that, you are being told your 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 wants concerns are irrelevant. And you will get no reaches of grievances. And if that's the case, it's exactly what ends up happening. It's ex- it's 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 it is in line with what happened in eighteen in the eighteen uh, eighteen sixty, when southern states felt like their uh, what what was supposed to be granted to them in terms of the federal negotiations between states, they weren't getting what they were they were uh, supposed to be granted. It's a little. I think it's a little different. I mean, the way I, the way I'd look at the South is the South felt like you know to, that they were on a track to inevitably lose complete power. Like basically they, they were on track to be a permanent. And how is that different? It's it's not just that it's, um, uh, one of the big issues with the fugitive slave act, which is the North was not adhering to. And so you have many Southern states outright being like, so our votes are meaningless. 
the federal government won't enforce the, 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 the agreements that we have as a union, then there must not be a union. And right. if that's happening now with the DOJ going after Trump's Peter Navarro, Steve Bannon, Jeffrey Clark going after a, a GOP chair in Nevada, filing subpoenas, raiding homes, these people are going to have the exact same sentiment. I think, I think, I mean, the, the way to resolve that is to punish them when we take power, right? Like, I think that that's, we need, we need to kind of flip it back on them, right? Everybody who is involved in these DOJ investigations themselves needs to come under investigation. There needs to be like, Trump could have subpoenas. Trump couldn't do it, but then I'm thinking you got to look at a world where DeSantis and a little more sophisticated, legally sophisticated, uh, group of people are in charge of a Republican White House, like, and, and, I just a more I, vengeful like yeah I think I think the optimism is the 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 midterms are going to be really good for Republicans and then in 2024 you're going to get uh, either a Trump or DeSantis who will take those actions but I just feel like that's just it's unpredictable. Yeah, no, and DOJ, what DOJ is doing now and what Merrick Garland is doing at DOJ, I mean, Merrick Garland should be impeached. That actually should be early on the list of things, like, of what should be done. For what? Um, for uh, various, I mean, there's a lot of unlawful, there's actually, like, some seriously, like, unlawful actions, failure to enforce law. Yep. Um, right, failure, for example, like, the protests at Judge Justice's houses, like, his decision to just completely not enforce that. In my view, that's impeachable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Did he argue that was a First Amendment? Right. He just didn't even, I don't even think he I, I, yeah, discussed it publicly, like at all. I, I like, think, I, I think he passively just, uh, I, I think it was, it was asked of him, but he said something like just shrugging it off or something. Like if, if you're not going to protect Supreme Court justices from, pro, you know, like there's federal law on the books that says people aren't allowed to protest in front of their private homes. But doesn't the First Amendment supersede that? No. I mean, the, the precedent is that it's a time there cannot be a first, there cannot be free speech without justice. So the exception made in terms of protest is that courts must be free from the influence of partisans. Therefore, you are, you are, you are right to speak, but not to influence the, you are not allowed to pressure the courts through protest. Well, but there's a, I guess the real reason that's acceptable is it's a time, place, and manner restriction, right? Like it's saying, like, you're allowed to protest, you just can't do it in front of their private home, right? And, and you know, that, that's what those rules say, and, and they're- That's the procedural. The, yeah. the sort of ideological is, if the courts aren't allowed to uh, sit down, discuss, and try and figure out what justice is, then free speech doesn't exist at all. Well, but they can. St- I mean, they can still protest at the court, right? No, like they that. can't. Sure, they can. I'm uh, I'm pretty sure it actually says you cannot attempt to protest at a court to persuade an officer. Or I'm, I'm well as applied, that would certainly be unconstitutional, right? Like right. If, if they actually tried to, that would certainly be a First Amendment violation to say you couldn't protest it. I, I could be wrong about that. There's I, a difference. It does of, say home. There's a difference of yelling at the judge as he's driving to the court, standing outside, and just yelling outside the court while they're all inside. Because if you're yelling at his car and yelling at him when he's walking in, that's definitely pressuring well, the let's, judge. Uh, let's clarify. I, uh, you guys are talking a lot about the Civil War and the the allegory, which I see, which is the states being like, you're not upholding my rights, government. But I think of the the Revolutionary War and the similarities that the taxation, no taxation without representation is what sparked it. And as they're printing trillions, we've got like $30 trillion of debt. That's a tax on me. And yeah. I'm not seeing oh, that money. I got, I just want to, sorry, just, I want to clarify. Yes, you cannot at a court. It says, whoever with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice, or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer in the discharge of his duty, pickets or parades in or near a building housing mm-hmm. a court of the United States, or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer, 
or with such intent, uses any sound truck or similar device or resorts to any other demonstration in or near any such building or residence, shall be fined under this title, imprisoned, not more than one year or both. How do you define near? I guess it's probably... I mean, that actually, you know, that's an interesting question because I guess the somehow that's got to coexist with the First Amendment, right? So then there's like... I don't know. If there's, I, I guess I'd have to read up on the what the, how the Supreme. I know the Supreme Court. Well, has said I, so some stuff so about this. what I read was the 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 reason this came about. It's 1950, was because the the the, ju- the, they were, the judges were basically like, how can we actually administer justice if people will use political attacks against us in in the course of seeking justice? So, if you're able to protest at someone's house or at a court to influence a judge and alter the course of justice, then there isn't any mm-hmm. because that means like with Brett Kavanaugh. If he says, I am going to side with overturning Roe v. Wade, and they go, then we're going to go to your house and, and threaten you, then there's not justice for those who had filed a petition in the court. Kind of reminds me of, remember back to the Tommy Robinson stuff? You right. Remember, right. That was like, in the UK, though. That was in the UK, but sort of similar he, like, to this. interviewed someone outside of court, so they arrested him? He, well, he just talked about right. private, you know, like what it was declared confidential information about court proceedings. And wow. You're not it's big that. brain stuff, man. Yeah, I know. I a yeah, because I wonder how they episode. define being near a court or residence. Like, is it two blocks away? Is it 20 well, feet away? Is it a thousand blocks away? Judges, judges interpret. So, oh, so the judges get to decide for themselves if you were near their house when they're welcome to judicial precedence. How can you rely on nine people to decide <laughs> the fate of the country? It makes no sense. It's I not see about why these people are saying defy it. Hold on, hold on. How many well, federal judges are there? Oh gosh, a uh, couple thousand? Hmm. Not that many, I don't think. Maybe hmm. like about a thousand, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's not just nine people. But it goes up the chain to the nine. And, yeah. and they can't hear every single case. And they get to decide what they hear or what they don't. They can be like, I don't even want to deal with it. That's no. right. Yeah. That's insane. No, no, it's no. Not. I do not, I do it's not, not gain insane. that relevant. It's not insane. It, that well, they can just choose not to look at things that they don't feel like are relevant to them, but like they're relevant to me. Right. Well, but they, you know, there's a lot of reasons we might not want, you know, there's a lot of reasons they shouldn't just take every single case. I understand that they're not physically capable. Listen to this anarchist guy over here. I, Maxine he, Waters. Full over here. Over. <laughs> More judicial support. They're not going to take the graphene case. I keep telling you. <laughs> AI. We need AI justices. They're not, not going to take the income taxes and constitutional Milton Freeman thought we needed an AI Federal Reserve, that he thought the whole inflation should just be set by an algorithm. I'd be Oof. open to that. If we could observe it and make sure it's an open source thing that we're watching happen, I think it could be. we could use it as an advisor. I will, I will say this. Times have changed. Technology has changed and we probably could do a better job with some great minds in building a new form of government that being said right now in the world it's like the united states government the structure of it it's the best i don't think there's anything better granted over time it gets bad over time bad things happen there's bad precedent there's bad law it bloats and then you're like oh we got too much garbage there's a lot of things they didn't predict but the idea of a legislative branch an executive and a judicial branch is brilliant the way and a bicameral system within the legislature, so it wasn't right. just one Amazing. body, you know. It's no, brilliant. brilliant. And the strong executive, frankly, like most I, people I, underestimate the power of you. You really don't like having. There's a lot of times where you get really upset if you have a weak executive, or because also here's the interesting thing about like having a strong executive is it's a counterbalance to the legislature. If you have right. a weak executive, generally the legislature swallows up executive, ultimately swallows up executive power, and you get like so, one thing. So, Ian, it is not just about the justices. Congress gets together, the House, and they go, hey, we got an idea. These are all the people elected to represent their districts, and we think these things should be law. Then it goes to the Senate, who has to agree. They represent the, they, they represent the states. So the people's representation passes a bill. The state's representation agrees with it. And then 
The executive branch has to sign off on it. If he doesn't, you need to a uh, veto-proof majority. When the president signs off on it, you now have two branches checking that. Then, once it becomes law, people can challenge it in court, and then the, there's a judicial review of it. It is actually, look, man, you can argue that you don't like that nine people have these decisions. It is the best system in the world right now. Right, one issue I've got with the Repub- uh, the House of Representatives is that they have a monopoly on the lawmaking right now. It's like 460 of them or something get to decide what goes to the Senate. Now, no, no, Mike- I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It, it's not even that. It's it's like one person. It's Nancy Pelosi. And, well, that's and, wicked nuts. And Chuck Schumer. Uh, Mike Revelle, know, that's awful. Mike Revelle proposed this thing when he was still alive, Alaskan senator, called the National Initiative, which would have created a fourth branch of government. That's the people. And you get representatives from every state or people. People from every state that come together and select one of them to represent, which you probably wouldn't even need now with the internet. And you also now gain the ability to pass laws into the Senate. We all do. It, I, like I, a ballot referendum kind of a deal? I'm not sure. I don't know what that is. Exactly. I think it's a terrible idea. That sounds like a terrible, I, idea. I, I terrible think, idea. I think people are smart enough to know. <laughs> if, if someone knows how to write a law, if they learn in school they're how to do not, it. They're not. They're not. And you shoot it down. We, have it no, 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 we can't shoot it down because the majority of people who go to the ballot box don't sit down and read mm. the referendum and know exactly everything that's you want, you, you We want, just passed a terrible medical marijuana bill in Missouri that created a cartel where only 5 to 10 to 15 people are allowed to you know, completely control the marijuana thing. And we're about to do it again. The people who want to legalize recreational cannabis are going to go to the polls this fall in Missouri and pass a terrible bill that all the libertarians in Missouri are actually against because it sets up a cartel. That's the kind of laws that you get when they're written by and, Democratic. And- Ian, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I disagree. So when you look at Wikipedia, you can't sue the individuals who write the things because they don't write complete sentences. You can't sue Wikipedia because they're not the ones who write it, even though they publish it. The fact that it's so heavily decentralized means there's no accountability for wrongdoing. But wrongdoing uh, 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 taking place due to a large crowd makes them unaccountable. So there, so hold on. So here's the issue. Right now in New York, we had uh, Larry Sharp on. He mentioned 60% of people in the state want gun control even though it's unconstitutional. If we introduce laws based on that, you will get majority manipulation. You will get people's rights being violated. And as Michael Malice puts it, my rights are not up for a vote. But a bunch of really ignorant people who are unaccountable can all just go in and make it happen. Now, when it comes to a representative, there's accountability because the individual is the one representing the group has to take accountability for passing the law or introducing it. But what- and the courts can come after them and they can get voted out. But what kind of accountability do these people have right now all these people that voted for this like i don't see how a corporation writing a law and handing it to a, a representative to give to the senate is is better than giving me the opportunity to write a law and but pass Ian, it to a judge the problem jury. is well, remember checks and balances right so here's the question if you create that fourth branch of government what role does the supreme court and the legislature and the president have in order to check what powers do they have the same over that it's the same as if pre- we were just a, 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 like an extrapolation of the house of representatives every one becomes a representative. Everyone has the opportunity and now to create. Honestly, a I think the I think the end result is the Senate would just ignore it. It's like, possible, yeah. right? But like it, it would it'd be big making big either, noise either if way, they did. Demac- direct democracy doesn't work. It wouldn't be that. I'm not suggesting mob rule or anything like that. It would but just create another branch of government, so we have an opportunity to participate. We do not really. We pick someone to go do it for us, and it's not doesn't feel like I'm involved. 
And there's 300 million of us, man. Like, we, <laughs> you know, it can feel like that when you're only looking at federal issues. If you get involved in your state, you can That's see funny. real changes happening. Don't and I just see it. I see it all the time. When uh, Missouri representatives have meetings with constituents, they show up, they make their voices heard, and policies change. It happens all the time. If you look at the federal, things move much slower. So I would ask you to say, why don't you pass something like that in a state first? Like pass something like that on a state level. We already kind of do that in Missouri. We have a referendum process where people can actually change the Constitution by passing, going around the legislature, going around the executive in Missouri and passing something by a popular direct vote in democracy. And it's a nightmare. And now our Constitution in Missouri is this leviathan that becomes, you know, completely unwieldy. And every 10 years we have an opportunity to rewrite the Constitution and they keep trying to do it and we can't. So what the last thing that we want to do is give the power to direct democracy in the United States for anybody, you know, to go out and just write a law and then place that in, in the Constitution. Do you want like your average Joe to write a law that's going to sit next to the Second Amendment, the beautiful words of the Fourth Amendment, and the Fifth Amendment? Like we don't have those founding father type people again. And if they are, they're certainly not coming out of the of the regular ranks of the people and, and bypassing, you know, not going and running for office. Any of the great people that we have right now are running for office and they are getting elected. I, uh, I, very few of them that I think that people like Massey and, and Rand Paul and others but they're there. The founding, the founders are there, and they're already in the government writing the, laws. The, the issue, Ian, that you're you're taking is not, it's not solved by your your proposal. The issue is we have a corrupt system that yeah. the people who get elected often are just serving special interests, and it's untenable. Like uh, a so, bill will so come with eighty pa- or a hundred, eight hundred pages, and no one reads it. And right. then it, but we so that should be solution. on the internet so everyone can read it and upvote it or downvote it like a Reddit thing. No, absolutely. And then not. the popular ones go to the Senate. That's you're, you're, this is a single layer uh, issue. You're looking at a problem and saying the solution is to give it to the people when that's that's not the solution at all. The problem is multifaceted, nuanced, and extremely difficult to solve. It is not solved by just opening up the system to random people. I mean, as a vague way of phrasing what I'm talking about, the national initiative doesn't just doesn't just give mob rule. It, it lets people get involved in the lawmaking process. What we need are representatives who are moral, principled. And not, it's not possible, dude. People get bribed. It no is one is possible. No one is a paragon. See, this is a, this is, this is, the, the issue is the system can be fixed. I agree with that. Your fully. proposal does no. not address the problem. It just adds another bandit on top of the problem. I don't know. I think the problem is that big, huge bills are getting into the, into the representatives' hands that they don't read and then they vote the yes problem and it's sent is, to the Senate. The problem is people don't care. The problem is they vote for Nancy Pelosi in her district without thinking twice, and you want to extend more power to those same people. It will not solve the problem. <laughs> term limits. No. I yes. agree with that as well. No, term, not limits. term limits. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, I, I got to make hold on, a point. point. The, the, the term limit thing, I, I've, I've gone back and forth on, but the reason it doesn't work is that special interests will just rotate their people. Deep they state. say that that happens no. in Missouri, but we, there, there are some negatives to it, but the, the benefits are that Nancy Pelosi types go away, that they can't come in and establish a little kingdom and then stay there for but 20, Ron 30, 40 Paul years. did, and we like Ron but Paul. But he didn't pass a single bill, and I love Ron Paul. He didn't get anything <laughs> Just you just call him wrong, Paul. Yeah. There, there are no term limits in the bureaucracy, and so the if you state. have term limits, yeah. exactly like Congress is sort of your way of having some oversight of the deep state. That's right? not how it works, though. They that is that is a big part of how it works, right? And and, and certainly, if we had term limits in a world of term limits, we just get hosed. Well, you need. Because- ter- Term limits for the deep state too, for the administrators. I mean, as that well. would be a lot better. That's a that's a much more effective place to start. Here's, here's my here's my, my, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's my proposal. 
in any position in which you work in government, after four years, you're sent off to an island. That's it. You can't come back. By the way, elected office, government job, four years, off to the island. We have term limits. We... On the state level, maybe it just needs to be on the state level. But in Missouri, we have term limits, and you're, you know, you, if you're in the legislature, you go at a certain time. And we have lost some good people, but the majority of people are bad, and the majority of people go away, and that makes it. But better. the problem is that you, you think about how much power you're giving to the legislative aides in that world, because the legislative aides are the only yeah. people who know the like the law. Well, it, you, it yeah. would help. It helps <laughs> in Missouri. <laughs> Most of the legislative aides that I know in Missouri, and I, I live in Jefferson City and work yeah. there, and they are all, many of them, much more libertarian than their bosses because they have yeah. to be conservative to win office. But what I know of the legislative aides in Missouri is that it helps us because they do, like you say, accrue more power. But the ones that we have in Missouri are more libertarian. So there is a, um, there's a thing called super chickens. Right? Oh, yeah. Super chickens are the hens that dominate the, te- the pecking order. So uh, anybody who has chickens knows that there's going to be one hen who's going to be like, I'm in charge and pushing everybody around. So they did an experiment. They took a bunch of a bunch of different flocks, took the highest ranking pecking order chickens and said, OK, let's put them in a flock and see how they handle it. They, they all killed each other. They all just, <laughs> so I, I bring that up because I'm like, I'm, I wonder what would happen if the island idea. I know I'm kidding, but imagine if we took everyone out. You get four years in office for whatever reason. And afterwards... Island. Iowa. What would that look like? <laughs> You'd lose a lot of institutional memory, right? Like there's, and there's a lot of places. Well, I'm not talking about two walls. I'm talking about what would an island look like if you just like a boat comes up and they're like, off you go and they leave. Well, and then you enter the society of all former politicians. It would look Hold like on. Arlington, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Also, I mean, Will, if we want institutional memory, we can always like venture to the island and grab one of them. <laughs> hey, how did, what, how did the nuclear like, reactors work? How does that, what's that regulation? Where, how does, how do you reset the memory? I don't remember. You're like, all right, thank you. For, I, like, I will, this I will is tell my you if they, you let like me this, off the island. They're like, this is my best friend, Jim. He's like holding a coconut. You're like, ah, he doesn't remember. Part, part of why I think term limits is a better idea now than it was before is because of like social media. People get really famous and when they're in office for four years, they get, you know, 1.2 million followers. Then they're gone. They're out of, they're out of politics, but they still have a huge following. They can still make a living. Well, people this, still just, trust there them. There are a lot of people books. who are in politics for four years who don't end up with 1.2 million followers, I, right? The mm-hmm. ones that we're thinking of are all giant, but that's because they're giant. I just got to read one super chat real quick because I just saw it. Phil Goen says, Tim, that's a bad idea. The elite already have had their island. Oh, that's spicy. Now, Will, how do we get rid of the deep state? How do you get rid of the deep state? Yeah, Will. You, Is you, there like a you, spray you or something? Kinda, <laughs> it's right here. You you change civil service laws, right? That's the where basically you make people much more easy to fire for the basis of just like you're not you're not one of us, right? Like the, for and I mean that creates its own set of like corruption issues, which is like you sweep in a whole every time you have a new administration, you sweep out a whole bunch of civil servants that you wouldn't have swept out before. But, but what about their institutional knowledge? We would lose. Yeah, I mean, you you want like you, you basically it's like you want a world where you can, you know, you have the choice about whether you keep that institutional knowledge around or not, right? Like, you get the benefit of it if you think these people are genuinely nonpartisan, but if you come in and you're like, oh, look, the FBI wants to destroy my administration, I'm going to fire as many people as want to do that to make a, make a point. Like, you just need, basically, you want to give more authority to the White House over the executive branch if it wants to use it. And I think the, the big problem is when you have a White House that can't deal with a hostile executive branch, then you have the deep state problem. So are you opposed to presidential term limits? Uh, uh, 
No, I mean, like, I think some you'd probably. It's such an important position that it's probably it's and it's such a powerful position that it's probably good that you get some rotation in there. So the um, Senate's less powerful. So Senate's less powerful. Senate Senate's primary function now is becoming the the primary function is becoming oversight. Honestly, but but but, but wouldn't you want to see that meme Carpe Doncta make of the Trump twenty twenty four twenty twenty eight twenty thirty two just going <laughs> off indefinitely? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? I mean, and you know, like the, there's a trade off, right? I mean, you you do get like sometimes you really have a good president, and it's probably good that they weren't kicked out. I mean, like why think about it? I mean, FDR was would have been termed out right in the middle of World War II. Was it good? Yeah, that, it was you not know, good. like that probably would have been a bad thing, right? Like, are we pro- sure? I mean, he, he was elected in '32 for his first term, and then he was it, he, he would have, his term would have ran out in January of 1940. Which I guess would have we weren't in the war yet, but we were close. And then certainly forty. Uh, but I mean, it was forty one. Right? Shouldn't yeah. democracy, the way it's laid out, shouldn't it be like the way that the system is set up? Shouldn't it be that that transition of power should occur in wartime and do so in such a way sure. so as to be? Yeah, I mean, we always want the peaceful transfer of power. Right. I mean, the, 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 but the question is sort of a technocratic one: is it is it good to force people out of power? You know, by a term limit via like a statute, rather than allowing the people to continue to choose the person they like to be continuing in power. I mean, you know, there's no term limits in Britain for prime ministers. But during wartime, the power of the presidency swells and expands, right? So, I mean, isn't that probably the argument for why allowing that kind of transfer of power or protecting the executive branch? Sure, but, like, also, you know, wild swings in the policy of an administration during wartime don't seem great. You're right. Right? Like, you know, that there's probably a benefit to... And also, like... There's probably a benefit to – that's not saying that you couldn't, right? Like there's still elections. The guy still has to win office every time he – But, I mean, you know. we've had presidents that have changed hands during wars. Sure. But not at the scale of World War II. And, you know, we've had peaceful transfers of power between George W. Bush and Barack Obama, right? So, sure. So, I mean, it did, did it affect our wartime capability? I mean, no, but it, there's like – I guess, the, the you know, the, what you're saying is is it, you actually have to not just say that it's merely not like – not bad to have switches of power. You have to like come up with like affirmatively good. Like it is good thing that people are forced to leave the presidency and that we are forced to have these changes at a at maximum eight years. And I don't know. I think it's actually a much closer question, right? Like you, you, the, the nature of our system inevitably weakens the president at a certain point in his like term where everybody knows he's going to be gone soon. Like, right. it, you know, it's not necessarily having lame ducks is not necessarily a good thing in terms of how our, our system of government works because you get this sort of degrading of the executive at the end of you know the last two years of his term that's not a good thing not necessarily no i mean just think about like you know what does it mean for how the rest of the government you know the way i see it is sovereign power is always conserved right so if the president's power is ebbing away then who somebody's has it maybe it's congress maybe it's you know unelected executive branch officials who knows right but it doesn't it, it just doesn't seem obvious to me that it's like a good thing that you know, we have these lame duck periods and because other systems don't have it. Like England doesn't, you know, and they have a democracy, but their prime ministers could just keep getting real. Well, they, they have, it's not a democracy. It's a, it's, it's a, monarch- a parliamentary monarchy. Parliamentary, or monarchy, parliamentary yeah. monarchy, but the same, same kind of, same concept applies where it's like the leader does not necessarily have to go after X number of times. I don't like democracy. That's why I bring it up. When people are like our democracy, I'm like your democratic institutions in your either parliamentary, demo- right. uh, parliamentary monarchy or constitutional republic. To point out, um, transfer of power during wartime, we haven't actually been at war since 1943, 42, whenever we declared 
declared war. Uh, Congress hasn't declared a war since, so it's just been I, these military actions. I we'll play, I play civilization, <laughs> and I, I just can't stand the, the democratic form of government in that game. It's, you got to go republic. It's the way to do it. That's right. Let's go to super chats. <laughs> if you, tips. If you haven't, oh, well, I mean, you can you, you can also choose like religious fundamentalism. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about Civilization <laughs> Two, by the way, going back to the '90s. Hard. Anyway, damn. Would you kindly smash that like button? Overturn the like button. Oh. Subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, and become a member at TimCast.com. In the top right of the screen, you'll see that sign-up button. Hit that. Support our work. We just hired a couple more journalists. We're going to be hiring more people. We're expanding, doing a lot of really awesome stuff. Check out YouTube.com slash CastCastle because we're basically making a cultural comedy kind of uh, show based on the shenanigans that happens here at the castle with all of our staff members and team members. Really, really fun. And uh, with your support, we're actually expanding into documentaries. We're working on one about gun control and the Federal Reserve. It's expensive to make documentaries, but we're going to do it. Um, when you sign up, you're going to be helping in that mission. So that being said, let's read some of these super chats. All right. Jeb Reed says, common sense gender laws. There are only two genders. Nature, the original science, decided millions of years ago. Yeah, well, you right. mentioned gender uh, was a discrimination and how like... If gender segregation. Gender segregation. I think it's more sexual segregation and we yeah. should keep keep hammering that. It's not about gender. It's about what sex. So you well, have a man I'm, and a woman I'm, I'm, in a I'm bathroom I'm using the traditional together. colloquial definition of the word gender to mean biological they, they sex. They slid that one in because... Oh, I see what you're doing. Biological sexual discrimination is understandable because you don't want naked men in a naked woman's bathroom necessarily because he might try and have sex with her against her will. Well, That's the also- point. Well, and again, I mean, like wait, 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 separating the wait, genders. That's not what you don't sense. want to tantalize the male testosterone with naked women. It's not just that. It, well, so what I, my response <laughs> like to men are mindless and just like can't help but attack. They're, they're animals, that's for sure. So <laughs> the reason it makes sense, right, is because so when you're looking at like civil rights laws uh, with respect to, you know, segregation between black people and white people and comparing them to gender segregation, the difference is like there are actual fundamental important differences between men and women like there are differences between the sexes that's, that's also reflected in how the court evaluates yeah. those rules like it's a different level of scrutiny pretty sure it's intermediate scrutiny and they that. made the argument in the 50s that there were biological differences between people mm. based on race but they yeah but the arguments weren't good right so we had uh we had, a, we had a conversation about this and it's like if you look at a person from you know haiti and a person from somalia like it doesn't the skin color and does not hold a, a commonality between these groups they're, they're very very different one's taller one's on average shorter one's on average thinner or whatever so the racial arguments make no sense across all civilizations there are there is sexual dimorphism so exactly. that's why that's the argument how do we look at human beings in like race versus genetics right if we look at some people on the genetic level can you tell genetically that someone is of yes. a certain race mm-hmm. yeah there's a funny meme where it shows two skeletons embracing <laughs> yeah. And that, like, someone commented, like, it's so beautiful because at this point you don't know if it's a man or a woman or if they're white or black. And it's just love. And then someone responded, like, actually, you can take a look at the mandibular, blah, blah, blah. Like, this one's clearly an Asian female. On the left, you can tell because of the more prominent frontal lobe, it's a male and very obviously Caucasian. It's like, just based on the skeleton, they knew the, the they knew the race. Also, so, I love the argument like that, like, when you strip every characteristic away from a person down to the point where they're just a skeleton, we're really all the same. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like not making a, a point. So does that right. lead to, like, arguments about biological determinism and things like mm. that? Well, well, what's that exactly? Well, I mean, like, so, for example, like, um, sickle cell anemia, right? Mm. So, like, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's, you know, shared by, you know, all races can have it, but it's, you know, confined to African Americans, right? And, the, and so, talking about that as, like, a biological determinant, does it, 
jump from not just like a uh, a disease, but does it jump to behaviors or uh, something that could be looked at as a social behavior? Is there, you know, some kind of a reason for why people of certain races behave in a certain way? That's what biological determinism I, would be. Right. You're, gonna, you're inherently, because of your biology, mm-hmm. going to behave in a certain way more likely because you're of this certain race. If genetics determine your race, and you can tell from genetics what somebody's race in so far as I'm just asking by the propensity, way, in so far as <laughs> just a propensity, so you know, clear that up. Yep. Uh, great question. I don't know. In so far as a propensity towards a disease may influence uh, a culture's uh, evolution, so a culture that's more likely to have sickle cell anemia might behave as a culturally different ways and, and, and pass on different values to their kids. Eat different foods. Cult- cultures that eat different foods are going to have different reactions to those foods. Um, like Japan, for instance, they like they traditionally had like a low fat diet. They have, um, I read that Japanese people have a certain gut bacteria that can break down cellulose better, and it's because they're culturally they would eat a lot of seaweed, a lot of cellulose. Yeah. Um, my my view on this, based on a lot of what I've read, is that the the uh there there there's a mix of nature versus nurture and everything, but that behavioral changes based on race are so minimal, and that it's typically cultural. So if you take a look at the stereotype about like Asians being smart, it's like, yeah, well, look at their cultural values. The cultural values are the parents are very strict on, you know, you should study and you should do these things. I also know stoner, pothead, loser Asian people because they did not have those cult- that, 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 those values. I think culture absolutely trumps in terms of behavior. And, so then and, is that so that does that make Japanese people does is that a superpower in a sense, right? To be able to like break down cellulose better than other people, right? Well, it's a it's a gut bacteria. So you, you can get that gut bacteria. Right. So, you know, I, I read of race. I, I read a book where they talked about like Jewish domination of basketball before African-Americans came in. Right. So it was like the most uncommon thing you could ever imagine before African-Americans were known to play basketball and to be great at basketball. It was actually a bunch of Jewish basketball leagues that existed, and then all of a sudden that changed, right? Which would imply that you know anybody could be good at basketball, right? But I mean, is it so? Then is it a cultural thing that African Americans just play basketball more, so they tend to you know be better at it, right? Or is there a biological question? It's both. We look at CRISPR, which is this genetic engineering. I mean, they're making, uh, attempting to make superhumans by tweaking their genes. There's definitely a correlation between your genetics and your abilities. Well, well. I, 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 I think I think you got to clarify the issue with basketball is height, and if certain people from certain uh, backgrounds are taller, that's what gets you in the NBA. I think I read that if you're seven feet tall, you have a 17 percent chance of being in the NBA because it's just like we want a tall person they can they can reach better. So I'm not sure that the issue is your ability so much as people from uh, Sweden and Norway tend to be a lot taller and they're white than say people from France who are. A lot shorter. Have you seen like the penis study in sizes in different cultures or in different nope. countries around the world? All right. <laughs> let's read some more. That's super a good one. Yeah. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's get that one. All right. We got Mayor Bear says <laughs> Ben Shapiro today broke down the decision, concurrence, and the dissent. He explained all the legal and constitutional parts and it was extremely informative. It's worth a listen or watch. Well, Ben is a lawyer and he's very smart, so I would be, uh, I would be surprised if it wasn't. Uh, why did we yeah. even bring Will on? Ben Shapiro already took care <laughs> of it. Go watch Ben. Yeah, video. no. Also, Roberts. I mean, that, that was a, it was really more a five four than a six three. Honestly, yeah, like cool. Roberts' Edgy concurrence was just a concurrence in the judgment, cringe. and it was really cringe. We talked about this earlier. I think how mm-hmm. he wanted he came he wanted to have this like reasonable opportunity standard. 
mm. um, right, uh, to replace viability because he's like, but you, and he's like looking at the majority. He's like, you guys are discarding precedent willy nilly. <laughs> and they, they look at him and they're like, you want to invent a completely new standard? That's new. That's not stare decisis either, bro. Sorry. Good old Roberts. Yeah. All right. Let's read some more. We got blessed fatherhood says, love the cake shimcast. <laughs> the real work starts now. Cherish all women. We're doing cool stuff in Oklahoma. Love is sometimes difficult. Exodus 20. Well, all right. Beautiful. Patrick Banks says, as an adopted person, yes, it needs more support. I agree. It's crazy. You, you guys ever watch 30 Rock? Oh, yeah. I love that show. When, when uh, Tina Fey's character, Liz Lemon, is trying to adopt a kid, and, and like the, the plot of it is that it's extremely difficult. And I'm like, that's crazy that there's a baby that's in need of a family. And they're like, we're like, this is a wealthy white woman in New York City who works for NBC. Like, how hard is it? But the, the gag is basically that's very difficult to do. And then I think ultimately she doesn't get the kid, right? Or does she? She does get the kid. I don't know. Whatever. I haven't seen the show. In a why minute. is it so Funny hard? Show. Why? Why? Why do they pose such a challenge for adoption these days? I don't know much about it, but I just well, there's hearing. there's there's good money to be made for the state and holding the children hostage, selling Basically. them to people who want yeah. them. Well, it's also it's, like they they say it's kind of like an admittance fee. So if you can't afford to pay that fee, then it shows that you're able to monetarily take care of the child as well. Some people argue for that. I'm not saying we do, but if you lower the cost of adopting a baby to zero, and somebody can just come in and be like, "Oh, I'll take I'll take ten ten babies," yeah, and then I'll sell them off <laughs> to yeah. slavery or something. Yeah. Got it. All right, Fritter says pendulum swing. And the harder you try to push the bob to your side, the harder, faster, and farther it swings to the other side. When you lose your grip, and you always lose your grip. I'm talking about beware the moral superiority where none of us are perfect. All right. Jason Lindholm says Chicago, Aurora, Naperville, and other Illinois cities having protests. Tim and Seamus. Are you blaming oh, us? Oh, wow. That's so, that's so crazy. In, in Democrat controlled Chicago, <laughs> they're protesting as if anyone there is pro-life. I, I don't get it. There, it's, 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 I just don't understand. We're gonna we're gonna go protest and riot in the city that agrees with us. It's like okay. There you go. Well, I get it. it if they go yes. to a red a red city or state, then people are gonna come out and be like, shh, shh, "Come back from." Well, the yeah. thing is, th- there's a chance. Obviously, if if it uh, isn't pre- peaceful, which by the way, B- Joe Biden said, "Make sure your protests are peaceful." So you know, good on him. And then he, he went like this. And then and then he went. Where, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> even even though your administration encouraged people to break the law and protest outside justices' homes, all right, um, but. What happens is in these communities where there is the stray conservative or conservative organization or a church, they get rowdy. That's what they go after. That's what they attack. How is Joe Biden still a Catholic, by the way? Come on. He's not. He's not a practicing no way, Catholic yeah. by yeah, definition. Yeah, he's just, like, he doesn't he's, give assent to Catholic teaching. He doesn't. The goal is to trick liberals into thinking he's Catholic so that he can make some kind of argument. But mm-hmm. like Catholics look at him like, yeah, no, come on. He literally like he tries to make an identity politi- uh, politics argument about being Catholic. It's like, no, I, I just identify as one. I call myself one. Therefore, I am one, even though if I like I completely it's reject like what the church has to say. Yeah, this, yeah, it, it is. <laughs> now, this like, should be like what a is whole, a Catholic? I mean, like, this, <laughs> but I mean, you, uh, you guys are joking, but I mean, this would be a good show just mm-hmm. all by itself. Like the battle in between Christianity, mm-hmm. between progressive Christians and conservative mm-hmm. Christians. You know, you have like this fight between that's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention right now between you know corrupt pastors and things and a lot of progressive Christians out there that are advancing the things that you don't agree mm-hmm. in but they're doing it in the name of God huh. yeah. and, and it would be a fascinating thing for you know somebody who doesn't have a dog in the fight there but who does have a dog in the fight against progressivism mm-hmm. to see you know are you all on your back feet right now I mean are, are you conservative Christians losing to progressive Christians because it, it sure seems that way not in our churches to be honest most of the young people I mean almost all the young Catholics 
folks I know are very conservative, very orthodox, don't harbor heretical beliefs. So with Joe Biden, I've said this before, one of the necessary requirements in order to be considered a practicing Catholic is you have to give full assent to Catholic teaching. And Joe Biden clearly doesn't on many issues. He's like, no, I don't believe that, man. And so he's called devout when he's not even practicing. And if you consider yourself to be a Christian, but you reject Catholic doctrines, you reject the authority of the papacy, you are protesting the church. There's a word for a protest ant. You're a Protestant. You're a pro- that is what the word Protestant means. Huh. And I'm sorry for my Protestant brothers and sisters in the audience. I don't mean to voice Joe Biden onto you. <laughs> I'm, if your church is any oh, good, you. he wouldn't be considered a member there either. But Joe Biden is not a practicing Catholic by definition. All right, let's read some more. We got Josh M who says, I read two-thirds of Americans are pro-choice to some degree. I believe pro-life state house reps and governors are going to have a hard time holding their seats. I've also read GOP leadership agree and are quite worried. Thoughts? I will address this by saying... They're not pro-choice in the way you think. If Republicans want to hold their seats, they need to make sure their constituents know Democrats tried to pass a bill that allowed abortion at nine months. Okay, the people who are pro-choice are more pro-choice probably like me or Will, where it's like there's some area of nuance, but beyond this, you know, elective abortion, we don't like these things. When you actually break down all these polls, what they ask these people is, are you pro-choice or pro-life? And they'll say, I'm pro-choice. And then they'll say, do you think there should be restrictions on abortion? In fact, the interesting thing is, I think it was Gallup. Actually, uh, the majority of people sided with the view. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is historical data we pulled up through Wikipedia going back decades, repeated. Most people think there should be legitimate reasons for an abortion, which basically bans 90, what, 93% of abortions? Yeah, most No pe- more elective abortion. That, that's like two-thirds of people think... Yes, abortion should be allowed with reasons. I wish they knew. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the center of American public opinion is more pro-life than the ex- current law, right? I think that's the way to think about it. Hmm. And so you, you, it's not, but it's not like absolutist pro-life. It's just, it's, it's definitely, it's, it honestly, I think the center of American opinion is probably more like European law, where it's something like, you know, you have like, you know, early, it's usually not allowed past like 12 weeks without a doctor's note, without a doctor's explanation of why it's necessary. And so I think, so as a result, I think, I don't think this will have a big political impact in the way that people think. I actually, honestly, I think this is going to be better for Republicans than it is for Democrats because my basic thesis is this is very demoralizing if you are an activist Democrat yeah. or if you're a moderate Democrat. Like well, yeah. so the, the other yeah. side it's, it's says the economy. That, yeah. It's, yeah. The, these, these social issues can only last so long right. until someone, right now they're screaming. They're like, I can't believe the Supreme Court would do this to us. We need to go protest. They all get out and go into their car and they're driving. Uh, we're not going to be able to make it downtown unless I stop for gas. Then they're going to pull into the gas station and go, what, what? were we mad about again? <laughs> staring at the $5 pump being like, uh. See, they're arguing that this is going to, you know, galvanize the base, that they're going to make it all this, these fall elections all about abortion. The, the left is saying that this is going to help us win these elections or at least stem the tide of a Republican red wave coming this way. You know, think about how much Democrat politicians have failed their mm-hmm. constituents on this one, yeah. right? Like if their constituents were like, no, we would really just like to preserve the right to an abortion. Uh, or like preserve Roe as it was. Well, you had the opportunity to codify it. You've had plenty of opportunity to codify it into federal law when they had like, you know, think of Obama era when they had the supermajorities. They want the wedge issue. Uh, they had the opportunity to like get RBG to retire during Obama's term. Like, I, I mean, there's so many. Well, let's, we got, we, let's just read some more super chats. We got, um, 
The Isaac Glover Show says, Tim, you're wrong about recalling senators. The First Amendment gives us the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Check the definition of petition again, and you'll realize you can recall anybody. Well, look, the government is comprised of people, and people can do what they want if they have confidence in what they're doing. But uh, maybe I am wrong. Can you recall a senator? No. Okay, well, there you go. Can a state legislature recall a senator? <laughs> no. So how do you deal with senators who are acting in defiance of the of their constituents? Uh, expulsion. Well, right. how do you do that? Uh, co- Senate can expel its own members. Oh, okay. So that's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. no. That, okay. that, that's the only... Has, it's, I thought it has happened. At least it has if, happened. It, it has happened, happened after the Civil War. What if there yeah. was some kind of fourth branch of government where the people could put could put to put forth uh, bills or whatever? That, that's a good <laughs> <Yes>. idea. <laughs> so they could expel other. Wouldn't people. it be funny if Ian started arguing against it and we're trying to convince him? <laughs> no, stupid! I stop now. Yeah. No. It never worked. We'd never. be better off just letting like California secede and then reconquering it and administering it as a territory. <laughs> so you do believe in a great divorce? Hey, can we add any uh, new states? You know, maybe annex Alberta. You think? that the United States will ever add like a 51st state? I think that's a wonderful idea. I Texas, think we absolutely should annex Alberta. Texas was, was uh, given the option to be five states. Huh. Did you know that? Oh, Interesting. When they joined the union and no. they, they opted just to remain as Texas. So imagine what that would look like. Can the 51st like- state not be D.C.? Oh. Yes. We, no, DC have, should never be a state. DC should never, never be a state. If anything, it just we shouldn't need to, be there. Let's we need to expand DC yeah. to include Arlington. Yes. Right? That was a historical mistake to let Virgin- Arlington come into Virginia. We need to disenfranchise more liberals. Well, it's, it's, not, it's not that. It's <laughs> anyone, Virginia from Northern Virginia. Anyone hear that thinks, media matters. He's, <laughs> anyone saying DC should be a state, in my opinion, is ignorant or evil. DC is a federal territory for obvious reason. No state should have power over the federal government. That's the point. But here's the problem. Taxation and representation. Right, Ian? Are they being represented properly? They're not supposed to live there. Okay, so so that's your your goal is they don't live in DC if you want representation? Yes. Okay. Listen, I mean, if if DC was brought into Maryland, the Maryland state government could pressure the federal government and get favors, and that is not going to work for a union. It would cause dissolution. Abolish housing in the District of Columbia. I'm just a practical man. Again, disen- yes. if, is there a way to disenfranchise more liberals? <laughs> like, well, look, I'm not, saying, <laughs> we, I'm not saying we can. I love how all of Will's hottest takes are still so calm. He's like, eh, just I'm not saying it. we can evict everybody <laughs> from Washington, <laughs> D.C., but the fact is it was a mistake to start bringing housing into the federal territory Agreed. that was supposed to administer government. Yeah, Agreed. Agreed. All right, let's grab some more. Gene Dumas says, I think Japan has it right. They acknowledge that the nuclear family is important. Many of the LGBT activists and the one that make the woke gospel want to destroy the nuclear family. BML used to advertise that on the BLM used to advertise that on their webpage. They're not the only one. That's true. And they got rid of it because people were freaking out. BLM was very much anti-family. That's right. Brody May says, please see if Bryson Gray will come on the show. He's an amazing musician, and his newest song, Drag Queens, is great. Titles such as MAGA Boy and Gun Toten Patriot. He's been doing culture jamming since 2016. I, I've heard of him. Didn't he do a song that mentioned me? Him and, um, yeah, it was him and- Patriot J, maybe? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm, 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 I feel bad oh, for forgetting yeah. his name. I think somebody did mention you. I don't remember. Yeah, that he did a song with someone. Is that no. The one? no? Okay. Him and this other guy did a song, and they mentioned something like Tim Pool's oh, Beanie. Anomaly. Anomaly. That's, who That's what it was. Yeah, yeah that was cool. We shouted him out. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. And, and, and I'll tell you, if you, if you like tastefully make fun of me in a song, like I'll shout it out. You know what I mean? You know, like, like Hassan is, is Hassan Piker is tweeting at me, told me I should be aborted. I said, Hassan, be nice. 
Jeez, yeah. What the heck? Yeah. That's really that's awful. Well, it's because I I posted this ridiculous tweet where I said if if Hillary Clinton would have won in 2016, the uh, SCOTUS would have mandated forced abortions today. Like the point was the extreme opposite of what happened. Like as if that would really happen. <laughs> and so then he said you should be a mandated abortion. I love Tim's always explaining his Twitter. He's like, <laughs> look, this is like not what I meant. This was a joke. Like I feel like every well episode. because. The people who are listening are in on it. No, I know. You know what I mean? So I want to like, I'm like, hey, here's like, here's the point of doing it. I'm just posting nonsense to, you know, no, to like make a point. All right, let's grab some more. What do we got here? Super chats, super chats. All right. Barely Insane says, in terms of marriage, I think the government should allow civil unions that participate in the same benefits, gay or not. Marriage is a religious deal and should only be handled by churches and synagogues, etc. Well, that the issue is in the, in the, uh, like, traditional American view it is, but you mentioned Native Americans have it, you know, marriage exists every, oh, exists yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, Ancient pagan stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But they would have concubines as well. It was just a different type of marriage. Like I said, Abraham was, was married. Marriage far pre-exists Abraham. All right. Jedi Montrick says, Tim's, Tim's staff, enough, uh, Tim's staff, enough though I've been a member since 2019 and went out of my way to be cool, told me to go F myself when I had a billing issue. Changes my perspective totally. I don't believe you, good sir. Ah, doubt. I, I, yeah, very serious doubt. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Can I just shout something out that this is not a super chat, but it's in the chat. Someone said Ian and Shane should start wearing beanies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think you should. Yeah. I mean, everyone on the show. It's so <laughs> <hot>. <laughs> wear a beanie. <laughs> now I see why you're so hot. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's like a melting. so fired Kingdom up. Kingdom first says, hello, gorillas. Buck, buck. If you would like to get a Christian perspective on origins, Morality and what the Bible actually says. Check out Steve Gregg at thenarrowpath.com. No denominations, no cults, just a life lived in Christ. Interesting. Hmm. All right. JRC says a covenant versus a contract. It's pretty simple to understand the difference as long as you have morals and values. What is the difference? I guess he's saying like covenant isn't breakable or a covenant is something you take an oath with a religious content maybe. Uh, I don't I mean, again, I, I see the value of like making commitments that you can't wiggle out of right like it just seems marriage there like one obvious really pragmatic benefit of marriage being in it is like the knowledge that you can't just leave Mm. right and that that forces you to work things out and compromise and like work with each other and not hold you know especially once you have children like not hold the dissolution of the marriage over each other's heads um like i see i see relationships where you know people have children but aren't married and i'm just like you're so unlucky like you really, you both would be so much better off if you were, you know, had just this massive social pressure forcing you to stay together yeah. and had had undertaken this commitment to each other. That's and that no fault divorce. Yeah, yeah no, I'm not. I'm not for it. I'm. I'm. I think it's a problem. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's read some more. We got Jacob who says, "Tim, I am unapologetically pro-life, and I have my sister's baby shower tomorrow. Woo! There will be dozens of liberal women there, oh, and no. the Roe v. Wade news will undoubtedly." Undoubtedly be a big subject subject of discussion. Seamus, pray for me. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I would just put it this way. My attitude is always sort of passive curiosity. And so don't get heated, don't get angry, just like not along and be like, oh, okay, and then ask questions. And one of them is, but you know, like the Democrats tried passing that bill that would allow for ending the baby's life, even if the baby could be delivered. I don't I don't understand that. And then if they get mad and say no, I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah, that's, that's the bill. Like, 
I don't know. Hmm. That and just like don't argue with them, but just be like, why are you getting so mad? Like well, I don't understand why you're so. I love angry that this is a baby shower. It's kind of like, <laughs> look, it's a baby. We're here because oh, gosh, we wanted to yeah. have a baby. Well, you can do the opposite. You can be like, should have aborted it. Oh, yeah. Keep the bad. focus Ooh. of the day on the baby and the health of the yes. baby. Yeah, and the gloriousness of birth. Yeah. Refuse to get a gift and be like, Mm-mm, I, I disagree. Uh, I'm I'm pro Roe v. Wade, so that baby should have been aborted. Exist, I'm an antinatalist. Yeah. Yeah. How dare you bring <laughs> a life into this world? I've got one of those ideologies real. that only exists on Reddit. Yeah, it's just so right. weird when I'm talking with people. I'm like, so you're a natalist? And I'm like, a natal? You yes. mean I'm a normal person? Yes. I'm, yeah. But I'm like, yeah. I'm not even arguing any strong conservative position. I was just like. We shouldn't kill babies at nine months. And they're like, natalist. I'm like, I, I just what? like, I hate when people come up with new terms for normal. Yeah. Post- like, yes. I'm normal. I'm yeah. normal. Just, yes. I'm a normal yeah. person. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's completely like, just, I mean, I don't want to say that because I think it's bad to say it on this show because YouTube will, but, but you realize like the fundamental underlying tension, like with the anti-natalist position, like you're alive. But I mean, there are people who wish they aren't. There are people who are, have been on camera who have said, I wish I was aborted. It's so weird. Those are the kind of people that are like, I'm moving to Canada if Trump gets elected, and then they don't go. If you (laughs) there are methods to, if you really want to. Constitutional amendment. If you tweet that you're leaving the country due to a presidential election, not only do you, are you obligated to do so under our new constitutional amendment, but we will taxpayer fund it. Yeah, we'll subsidize it. That's fine. Yeah, no, that's out. Out. no. Whenever, whenever someone Taxation is, like, is theft. Yeah, I, I just, I, I absolutely do not advocate suicide. I think it is a grave and horrible evil. Do not do it. But when someone who is alive says like, oh, I hate being alive or like, I wish I was never born. It's like, well, clearly you find some goodness and value in life because you're still here. Why would you not want to extend that to other human beings? Well, I'll yeah. tell you this. I have been told by multiple people who are Christian mm-hmm. that they wished they were dead because they want to be in heaven. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I hope to be, yeah. I, I would tell them don't presume. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> brutal. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There's no rush either. All right. Will P says, Tim, bring Austin Peterson back on IRL as soon as possible. This was the best show yet. Yeah, it was a good show. A spicy yeah, show. This was good. By the way, we all disagreed on so much. This was like, no, it was good. Remember like, every when time someone the made, reserve? I know. Well, every I, time I, someone made a strong statement, one person was like, yes. Someone was like, no. Like, ah, <laughs> See, I made the mistake really of seeing the chats on there and it's like, get Austin out of here. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got to oh, turn that off. We like well, that. when Will, when I brought up that Will defended the Federal Reserve, all of the ones at the end like, no, no. All the AP for that's what makes fans. it fun. Did, oh, right. Will, did all those ones, were there too many ones? Did that cause inflation? There were 20 of them. Uh, is the, is the one average one worth, worth less? Yeah, but like, if you don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna get started and ruin your day. Wait, wait, are, are you for the, are you for the inflation algorithm, the Milton Friedman thing? Is that okay? I don't know about the, the, I don't know about the algorithm, but I definitely don't want a gold standard. It's a terrible idea. I'm not saying a gold standard. I don't want to talk about free banking and Scottish free banking in the late 1800s where there was, where there was a gold standard, but the, the banks printed their own money. Where's that built? I mean, Free banking, free banking, free banking. Google it. Google it. Free banking. Free banking. Free banking. Good sir. Google it. I don't know, man. Yes. The Gilded Age. Yes. Thank you, Gilded Age. Exactly. They, the liberals call it the age of robber barons, but we call it the Gilded Age, where one of the greatest American presidents, Grover Cleveland, presided over administrations, a time of unprecedented prosperity and wealth, the, the tail end of the industrial revolution in the United States, when we were building up our industrial manufacturing and turning the United States into a powerhouse that became what it was today. The Gilded Age had a banking system that was uh, called a free banking system based on a Scottish banking system that existed during a, a period of the 1700s. This is the Adam Smith system. This is a system where banks are allowed to print and create their own so, currencies. Uh, for those who are just listening, uh, Austin is holding up the Bank of Columbus $10 bill. It is a decentralized, but it is it is legal tender. 
You just knew that bank backed the value of that currency. You don't need a Federal Reserve for it. And can I ask how much did you pay for that? Uh, that I think was like 75 bucks. All right, uh, 75 bucks? Maybe. Is that's there, appreciation. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that's appreciation. So clearly it was a good investment. If you had a bunch, if you held on to that. Right, so you want it may stable, have been way less, actually. Right, you, want, a bunch of those. you want money to have a stable value. The question is, is what is money? And can government determine the value of money, right? Mm. Money, money wasn't a creation of government. Money predates mm. government. We traded amongst mm. ourselves. Currency? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Some, some maniacal economist at the head of the Federal Reserve can determine how much our money well, value What was be. the inception of currency? It was, must have been four or 5,000 B.C., Shells. if not before. Seashells. So, so things, if you want to know about where currency came from, just Google John Money. I want you all to learn about him. He's That's right. <laughs> Look up John Money. Learn everything about him and everything he invented and where it all came from. I love those I love those memes where they do that, where it'll be like, if you're ever wondering why the banks are ripping you off, you need to understand how the bank banking power came to be. Just Google search John Money to understand. Yeah, the best, the best one I ever saw was Gage Grosskreutz was a father of five children. He was murdered, or he was you know, attack. Look him up and find out all about him. In the okay, I'm just going to say one more time. Look up free banking. That is, look up free also, banking. I will say this part of the problem with that is most people do not look up what the meme tells them to look up. They just believe the meme is true. <laughs> 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 all right. All right. We'll just uh, let's grab a couple more super chats here. All right. Let's see. What we got Colton Sulak says, hey, Tim and crew, I keep hearing the argument about Roe v. Wade being overturned would make birth control harder to get. Not sure how, but could y'all explain? Yeah. Uh, the, the, I mean, it's the substantive due process argument that we already went over, the idea right. that it would undermine substantive due process, uh, the doctrine, and thereby undermine the cases. Like, I think the Griswold case is the contraception case. Um, but as I explained earlier, very unlikely that it, it actually is, in the Dobbs' opinion, it is expressly disclaimed that it has any impact on these other substantive due process cases. And so... Not going to happen. Yeah. Right. That was um, Griswold, right? Yeah. Griswold v. Connecticut. Yeah. That was the right to contraception. Mm-hmm. Well, interesting. All right. Let's see. We'll try and grab one more. Thousand Foot Deep End says, Seamus, phenomenal appearance on Pop Culture Crisis today. You had this Protestant fist pumping your calling of the lo- uh, of the lost to repentance and hope in Christ. Hope to see you back on soon. Thank you so much. See what I'm doing to your shows, Tim? Hey, hey. Make them more valuable. <laughs> Stocks you, rising. Thank you. That's right. All right. Thank Ladies you. and gentlemen, if you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button? Overturn the like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show if you like it. Become a member at TimCast.com to support the work we're doing as we expand this operation. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL. You can follow me at TimCast everywhere. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, Austin, do you want to shout anything out? Yeah, uh, AP for Liberty on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And I just launched a new store where I actually 3D print Buddhas with Thomas Jefferson's head on them and George Washington's head on them. So check that oh. out. It's AP for Liberty That's Shop. That's a gorilla, though. Yeah, yeah similar, this is a gorilla. Similar. See, I was so excited to come. I brought a <laughs> bunch. I brought all my Buddhas and 3D prints for you guys, but I was so excited to come on that I left them at the hotel. Oh, man. So hopefully next time. But check it out at APforLibertyShop.com. It's just AP, the number four, APforLibertyShop.com. There's also a lot of cool, like, Fourth of July stuff on there. So go and check it out and check out the store and buy some merch and follow me on Twitter. Right on, Will. Uh, at Will Chamberlain on Twitter. Um, also, I'm, you know, I should shout out my organizations. Um, the Internet Accountability Project, the I, the underscore IEP. That's also on Twitter, fighting big tech abuses. And then, uh, the Article 3 Project, which I don't have the Twitter handle right there, but very relevant today. Article 3 Project fought hard to get, um, you know, Trump's Supreme Court justices confirmed. That seems to have been a pretty good idea and a pretty good yeah. thing to be working on. So, yeah. Uh, I'm Seamus Coglin. My credentials? Well, 
Someone who just chatted in described me as semi-acceptable. Oh, so my. Here we are. Oh, moving on. I run a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. We released a video Thursday and a video today. I think Woo. you guys are going to love it. It's about Roe v. Wade being overturned and oh, how these crazy – thank you so much. And there's also a 12-minute version of it. Wow. So it's five minutes long. There's a full 12-minute version of it at freedomtunes.com if you become a member. Five bucks a month, you'll get an extra cartoon every single week, plus behind-the-scenes content. You'll be supporting independent content. So go over there and check it out. Thank I, you I, so much. I liked it because Seamus says my name several times. In the I video. do actually say <laughs> Tim. <laughs> That's really funny. I had to update people on my That life. is a powerful plug. So I, I plugged my sh- my shop right there, and I watched the store. 26 people instantly. Oh, cool. Well, you guys move, yeah, people. Okay. Way to go. Way AP to go. for Liberty. AP that, for Liberty, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I just found some really groundbreaking information. The Statue of Liberty was chained. I don't know if you guys know this. The original idea of the Statue of Liberty was that she had broken chains on her hands. Wow. She's a freed slave. They, the, the industrialists of the time or whoever decided, no, it's too prominent. Put the chains at her feet. If you see the Statue of Liberty from above, she has broken chain at her feet. I, I thought the Statue of Liberty was given to us by the French so they could sneak in while they were hidden inside. <laughs> if you go there, you'll meet them. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's to remember that we come from freed slaves, not only the British, but the, our own civil war to free the slaves before that, the Roman slave, like we are descendant and let it never happen again. It'd be beautiful if we saw that in New York Harbor, for whatever reason, they made her look like an erudite, you know, post freedom, but we got to remember the actual essence of freedom. Yes, I feel a very strong connection with Ian. Like, are you like the radical, crazy libertarian here? Or the- no. He's like half the time yes. radical authoritarian. I don't know. Really? Three, three, two of those three words. It was the correct. funny, the funniest time was when Ian went on about like how he, how he believes in the death penalty. And it was like, I can't remember which guest we had, but they were like arguing with you. But then you agreed on the death penalty. It's like, wow. I got, I don't know where to box my, I can't box myself into it, but what's right, what looks sensical, what it, looks, it, you know, if DMT tripping realistic. Was a person. Yeah. Oh, I'm totally into psychedelics. Maybe that's what you're <laughs> feeling. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> you ever smoke, have you smoked DMT <laughs> it's before? The, it's the mushrooms, I think. They're all right, I sipped all right. on ayahuasca. <laughs> it's nice. You got a DMT rush. I'll go deeper on it later. We can right, talk we'll, about it on the next right. one. Anyway, I am also here in the corner. I pushed all the buttons this evening. It was a lot of work because they were all talking over each other, which was very fun, very engaged conversation. Thank you guys both very much for coming. Austin for coming from all the way from Missouri, which kind of sounds like paradise right now. Will for coming from D.C. I'm happy we were able to get you out of there for a few hours. You guys may follow me on Twitter and Minds.com at Sour Patchlets. We're also going to the Minds event in New York City. Very excited to be there. I want a selfie with Tulsi Gabbard. Stay tuned. We'll see if I get that. You guys can follow me at SourPatchlets.me as well. Check out Cast Castle on YouTube for our silly comedy vlogs. You can check out YouTube.com slash Chicken City if you want to watch chickens. They're sleeping right now, but you can watch them. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. and We'll see you all next time. Bye, guys.